Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome into this Thursday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger FM, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm the host of this show today. I'm joined by Brant Daughtry and Brooks Childress. So we have a fun show planned for you here on this Thursday. Going to be talking a lot of things, a lot of different things today, but one of the biggest things is we're going to debut a new game at around 4.30 or at least a new segment. We're going to judge the highest-paid college football coaches in the country if they are overpaid, paid just right, or underpaid. So that's going to be a new segment that we're debuting today. Uh, so we're going to do that around 4.30. Uh, we'll also, of course, as always, have a uh, segment of birthdays and sports and nightly TV guide. Of course, all your phone calls at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9 on the Auburn Bank phone line. We'll also talk a little bit more about NIL. Had some good conversation yesterday about the various things going on at NIL, some of the uh, different uh, deals that could be going on and uh, maybe part of the reason why uh, Cam Coleman, I think a big part of the reason why Cam Coleman committed to Texas A&M yesterday. So have a little more, more on NIL throughout the program today as well. Again, Ryan Brooks and Brant with me here or with you here today. Brant, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, actually. Uh, early uh, early end of the week for me, heading home tomorrow, headed back to, to Georgia to see some people. So uh, this is the last thing I'll be doing this week. But uh, having a, a, a good day, and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a lively sports world right now. Uh, a lot of recruiting stuff going on. Y'all talked about it a lot yesterday, the, the Cam Coleman commitment to Texas A&M and everything that's going into that. So uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll touch on that. But, uh, yeah, it's a great Thursday. Happy to be here and uh, happy to be on the show. And then Brooks Childress on the show again today. Brooks, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. It's a beautiful Thursday here on the Plains. Can't wait to talk to all of our callers. Can't wait to uh, get into the show here today. A lot of, a lot of stuff happening. The Braves won the series against the Guardians last night. So can't wait to talk about some Braves baseball. They're undefeated in rubber match games this year. Uh, I heard that sound on the Braves radio network last night. Ben Ingram popped that one out there in the first inning when the Braves were uh, hitting around for a, a little bit in that first inning against the, the, the Guardians last night. And so it's, uh, they they're continue their hot streak as they head to one final series before the All-Star break, going down to Tampa, Florida for a battle with a really good Tampa team this year. Uh, and so it, it, it'll be a, a really fun series. Looking looks like a really fun series to end the first, uh, you know, technically the first half of the season before you hit the All Star break. I know it's not officially halfway, but it, it kind of feels like that. You know, it feels like it. And then, uh, yeah, it, it's a you know a lot of a lot of sports rolling on in the world to, uh, right now. So can't wait to talk about all talk about all of it and uh, get into it. Absolutely. And again, as you mentioned, Brooks, uh, I guess that will be one of the first things we talk today. 
uh, is about the Braves after a, another series win. We've kind of framed it from a bunch of different angles in the last couple of weeks just about how good they have been. Uh, another angle, or at least a new angle, the hit streaks that Ronald Acuna Jr. has, which I believe now stands at 16, I want to say, and then Marcel Zuna, who stands at 15. Uh, so both of these guys on long hit streaks. The Braves had a lot of hits last night. They continue their offensive dominance. I think it's, what, one home run away from tying or breaking the record for most home runs by a team before the All-Star break. So they've got really the whole Tampa series to accomplish it. And, and look, even with a, a rare loss, Braves got right back on it last night. Yeah, and, and another crazy speak that streak that we need to talk about uh, the Braves have hit a home run in, I think, 23 straight games. It, it, they're really running it up. So I, I think it, they very much will break that major league record. And, and that's something to be proud of. But, yeah, going down to Tampa, I mean, you've got uh, ESPN put out their MLB power rankings earlier today. The, the Rays have been at one all year long. Well, the Braves overtook them today. Now the Braves are one and the Rays are at two. So that's how good this team is, and that's how big this series is going to be. It's going to tell us a lot about uh, what – is going to happen uh, over the All-Star break, what needs to be done for both teams over the trade deadline. And uh, this may be a World Series preview. I mean, it may not, but right now these are the two best teams in baseball, and they're about to go head-to-head. That was what I was about to say was World Series preview, anybody? Huh? Yeah. I'd, I'd be Well, if the Braves take two out of three, I'll be down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it, it's an important series for the Braves going into the All-Star break because you're going to get four or five days off right here in a row. And, you know, you really want to go in with a good feeling. Obviously, you're going to go in with a good feeling no matter what happens in the series because of what you've done the first half of the season. But if you can go in with taking a, you know, two out of three on the road at the, you know, our, a team that is, could be one of the best in baseball, it depends on who you're, who you're talking to, uh, and you go into it and you're like, hey, we just took two out of three from the, the Tampa Bay Rays, who, you know, in, in theory, could be the Braves' biggest competition when it comes to postseason. When you, if you get to that World Series, maybe those, those two meet. Maybe it's an all-Southeast uh, World Series this year. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's such a big series. The Braves continue to hit the ball, just, just astronomical numbers. And they continue to, you know, have a, a really effective pitching after, you know, kind of right after the start of the year when you started to get some some injuries to the pitching staff. You started to say, oh, what what can happen here? What 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 are we going to do? The Braves have been able to piece it together, and with you know Max Freed getting some uh, some live batting uh, BP this past week, and Kyle Wright uh, on on the mend, you you're may the Braves in the second half of the year may run into a very good problem to have where you've got a lot of guys. And you don't have as many spaces, spots for them in the rotation. I do want to get to probably not today, uh, maybe tomorrow or Monday, the the home run derby pairings at some point, as those were announced the other day and, and everything all star related. But on the Braves part of it, you know, they their guys did not accept the invites to the home run derby. Acuna and Olson were invited. Uh, incredible maturity from from those guys I, I don't want to say like oh you know if you do the dirt uh, derby then you don't care about winning and and all this stuff but there's a pretty good history of guys ruining their swings at the derby uh and not having as good of second halves in either the power or average department again that's not it's not a deal for every single person but there are certainly way too many examples of that and the braves are so good they're 
Uh, you know, I, I respect as much as much fun for a fan as it would have been for them to be in that. I certainly respect their decision. And as far as the big picture is concerned, obviously Tampa Bay has been uh, the best record in baseball since day one because they had that hot start with the win streak and all that. And so now, uh, you know, the Braves had passed them in win percentage a few days ago, but they had not played as many games, so they had not passed them in wins. And as Brant said, they did officially pass them in wins last night as the Rays have actually lost four straight, which uh, is not our, actually our preference because they've been playing Philadelphia, and Philadelphia uh, is starting to get on track now. They're seven over 500, looking more like at least a wild card team. But uh, – my deal with the Rays is no matter what happens the regular season with them, and I hate to be like this, but uh, I still would find it more likely that the Braves make it into the World Series than the Rays, just because the Rays, to me, uh, that you know, even though it's beautiful and the, the, they have such a, a low payroll and they're able to succeed like this, and certainly they have a lot of fun players that if you really love the game, you certainly like to watch. To me, those teams do not have as much success in the postseason. Uh, see any Oakland Athletics team that made the playoffs <laughs> under Billy Bean over the last 20 years, you know, just never got it together. Uh, the Rays did make a World Series, losing to Philly back in 08. Aside from that, they've won a series here and there, but nothing too too deep. And I still, like, uh, even though the someone like the Astros, 49 and 38, not – I mean, while that is a good record, that's going to be 90-plus wins for sure. Uh, while that's not a record that really blows you out of the water, I, I really think that someone like Houston is going to have a great chance of toppling Tampa. Uh, Texas has had a, a nice storybook year of their own. And so that while this very well could be a World Series preview, uh, I still have my questions for Tampa. I would love it to be a World Series preview. Uh, I, I certainly appreciate what the Rays do. Uh, they're certainly not far behind the Braves in the pecking order for me of teams that I really like uh, in baseball. Uh, obviously, I do like teams from the uh, Tampa Bay area. I think you guys have figured that out by now. So I certainly do uh, like Tampa Bay and root for them when they're not doing stuff like playing the Braves. But uh, it's going to be interesting for – uh, the Braves, there was this bit earlier in the year where, where they got off to kind of a slow start against good teams, and there was a little bit of a sentiment that was, oh, you know, they're just taking advantage of the Washingtons of the world and, and Cincinnati at the time. That was a sweep, and Cincy was not who they are now. But I think it turned out, I think I saw the uh, last night, that the Braves actually now have the best record against winning record teams uh, in the league. So for you guys, and I know I've kind of framed it this way a little bit before, but, I mean, we are three and a half, three-ish weeks away from the deadline. Is there any is there any move you'd like the Braves to make? Is there anything that any player you've got your eyes on, other than Shohei Tony, that, uh, <laughs> that uh, you might be interested in or anything that you are worried about? Because I'll say this. I said it earlier this week. I don't do this in baseball often with the madness of the playoffs and all these wild card teams end up making the World Series. But the Braves have played so good. They've been together for several years now, with the exception of just like Sean Murphy uh, and, and Matt Olson to a degree, that it would feel disappointing not to end up in the World Series. So if you're trying to get to the World Series, what, if anything, does this Braves team need? I mean, it, the it, I feel like the eternal answer to that question is bullpen help, maybe. But I, honestly, 
I don't know what reliever you would go and get that gives you just astronomically better numbers than the guys you have right now. They're they're pitching well. They're just not you know shutting everybody out every single appearance. So I I'm sure there's a bullpen addition you can make that would bolster things and maybe another left fielder. I, you know no no discredit to Eddie Rosario, but you know his defense is starting to slow down and he is only hitting uh, 270, which is only slightly above average. Uh, 260. 260. Okay, so 260, which is still about average, you know, and he's on pace for 20 home runs plus. So it's not like he's playing poorly. Yeah, no, just, I wouldn't replace. No, no, no. You'd like you're not you're not going to give up the farm for an Eddie Rosario replacement right now. But honestly, as far as position players, I can't think of anybody that needs to go. I feel like all of the starters are pitching well. Um, even, I mean, Michael Soroka last night had runners on base in every single inning. And somehow did not give up a run. The du- the dude when when it was demanded of him, he reached down and grabbed something else. And you know, it, it, not his best start. Only made it five innings, but he made it five innings and gave up zero runs. That you will take that every single day from one of your starters. So I I'm trying to think of any position that want, I want to bolster. And outside of maybe grabbing another bullpen guy, I I can't really think of anybody that you just are desperate for. Yeah, I, I would be on the same track because I, I just don't know. Because you've, like I said, you you've got your the starting pitchers that you had got hurt, were hurt at the beginning of the, that got hurt toward the beginning of the season. Maybe when you were looking there, as you were projecting forward, you're like, oh, maybe we need to go get another starter. Well, now, like I said in, in a couple moments ago, the Braves are on the verge of uh, potentially having a really good problem where you've got enough. You've got a plethora of starting pitching that you don't know what to do with because you're not going to have enough spots in that rotation to, to fill it all if you get uh, Max Freed and Kyle Wright back. And so uh, I, I would have to. And there's nothing wrong with the lineup. Maybe you get you know uh, some. Maybe you go out and you know get some bench help. But with the you know with the new world that that is baseball with the DH, there's not as many pinch hit opportunities. And so I, I don't know. You know there, there's not a specific you know point of the lineup that I would say needs to be fixed or tweaked or anything um, I, I would have to I'm, I'm on the same track as Brand you may go out and get some more bullpen help but again I don't think you're that desperate for it either uh, I think you're in a really good position where the bullpen is, has been good you may want to get another you know like you may want to get another shutdown reliever where you can maybe you know pull out a 6th, a, 7th a, a and 8th inning kind of deal like you used to have uh, years ago, when you had it, was, it was O'Flaherty, Venters, and Kimbrel, where you would once you got to that seventh inning, boom, you're shut down. Like you know, you 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 get to the seventh inning with the lead. Those three guys in the back end of the bullpen will help you. Maybe you get a guy that can help you establish that. But there's not a lot that this Braves team, I, I, in my opinion, needs to go out and get. They're they're very they're structured very well. Um, it, you know, it, it's 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 not like they need to tweak. A lot of stuff. So I do have something for you guys that I've thought about in recent days, and uh, this came to a head for me actually in the the brave in the game the Braves lost to Cleveland. So here's uh, look, we've got bigger, slightly bigger rosters than we used to. We have 26 instead of 25, and granted, a lot of that's bullpen. But you look at it, we have the universal DH. There's not as many of, or not as big of a need for a bunch of bench players to pinch hit. Uh, maybe for defense and that sort of stuff. And so what I'd actually like to see them do at the deadline is acquire someone for the bench to be a pinch runner. I, I would like them to find somebody with elite speed because we saw 
uh, for instance, in the 10th inning against Cleveland, we saw Sam Hilliard pinch run. And Hilliard's a guy of average speed. It's not like he's a snail. I mean, he, he's fine. is acceptable speed. But he's not a speed merchant by any means. His career high in stolen bases is five uh, in, in, in 81 games played. So, okay, you mark that out times two. Ten, it's still, still ten times in, in a year. Nothing to write home about. And they're carrying technically. Now, I, don't, I know the Braves don't want to touch Ozuna in it playing the field. But if you want to be technical, they've got six outfielders right now. Because assuming that Ozuna could be a warm body in left field for you, uh, you've also got Kevin Pillar and Sam Hilliard. And Pillar has proven to be an acceptable backup hitting 250s, 260s, hit six or seven homers this year. So he's been perfectly fine. Uh, Hilliard got off to that really hot start. We were, we were on to something it looked like, but he's had very limited opportunities since. He's down in the 240s just because he's not had many at-bats and had a, a slight little cold spell. And so my stance is is that, yes, you might have to DFA him. I get it. But I would probably move Sam Hilliard off the roster and get a, a, a speed demon, speed merchant, uh, to be a pinch runner because you saw Hilliard in the 10th inning. He tagged from second to third on a deep fly by Ozuna. And then Rosario hit kind of a, uh, you know, just a flare out the center field. They tried to be aggressive. Hilliard thrown out by a step and a half of the plate. And I can't wonder or can't help but wonder if it's someone of the speed of Acuna or Harris if he could have scored on that play. And certainly they can do different things with a pinch runner. It does not have to just be an extra inning scenario because you have the luxury of having both Sean Murphy and Travis Darno. Hell, you could even do this with Ozuna where if they're on base in the eighth or ninth inning of a close game, you bring in the fast runner, you say goodbye to Ozuna or Darno or whoever, and then that second catcher steps in to either catch or be the designated hitter, whatever you did there. So I'd actually like the Braves to examine looking at someone really fast uh, to be a late-inning pinch runner because, again, you have those spots to play with. Uh, you, you, you use these bench spots. I mean, again, I don't remember the last time Hilliard had a start even. I, I yeah. genuinely do not remember. I know Pilar started a time or two against lefties. Sometimes the Braves will, will pull Rosario to let Pilar hit against a lefty late in the game, but I can't remember how often those guys have even started uh, since Michael Harris came back from injury and Azuna got it going. So I, I, I think that is something that they really should take a look at because the Braves have had some late inning deals on the base pass where they've been aggressive and you know also you just know that's part of ron washington too like he's going to be aggressive if it's a 40 60 play he's going to take the 40 and he's going to go for it so why not have someone with great speed i to be fair you then ask well what name are you talking about well i'd have i'd have to scour people's benches i'd have to scour uh, people's AAA teams, to be honest with you. Just find me someone fast. I don't need them to hit or necessarily even play the field. Just just find me somebody like a Dave Roberts did for the Red Sox early 2000s. Find me someone with, with tremendous speed. Uh, and, and so that's the move. I, and I agree with you guys. You know, bullpen, you can, you can never have enough arms down there. But that's the, the outside-the-box line of thinking I'd go with was somebody with speed for those late-inning situations. Who was the guy that the Braves signed going into the playoffs in 2021? He won, like, three straight World Series with three different teams, never made a start, and only came in as a pinch runner. I, oh, I, wow. I remember I there was a Billy Hamilton for a while, but he didn't win a World Series. Was yeah, that was him? prior. Um, oh, 
I know, I know I, they signed Hamilton know. one of those years, it might have, and he I, did pinch run. And that is the type of guy I'm referring to. Billy Hamilton couldn't hit a lick, and that's why he was an all-star player, but he could he could run. Boy, could he run. But, yeah, I mean, exactly that kind of player right. is what I'm looking for. Doesn't need to get at bats. Maybe could play the field defensively, but more than anything to just run. Because the Braves uh, are blessed to have a couple of elite guys, but they also have several below-average speed guys. Like, Riley's not burning up the bases. Obviously, the yeah. catchers, Darno Murphy, Wooden. Uh, Rosario's average to above-average speed, you know. Ter- Terrence Gore. Terrence Gore. Okay, Terrence Gore yeah. was the guy's name. That kind of guy. I know that seems silly. You're talking about probably 10 instances in a 30 or 40 game stretch where you'd actually play him. But again, we're nitpicking, and you've got this extra roster spot you didn't have four or five years ago. And you've got this DH, which is de facto an extra position player because you're not needing a, a person to play the field. You can have a 300 pound boy. Just be a designated hitter. You know, I mean, Azuna doesn't run well, and if you, if you have if you have Darno in there, then Darno doesn't run well. He's an old catcher, you know. So it's just like you have plenty of opportunities. Also, because Darno's such a good hitter, and if he's not starting, or even Kevin Pillar, you'd be comfortable with at bats. You can you can use that bullet and still have someone you like to replace him if that turn in the order comes up again. So that's my suggestion. That's something that I wouldn't mind seeing here in the next month, something the Braves could acquire. Let's go to our first break of the show. When we come back, we'll go to the Auburn Bank phone line. A little bit later, we'll talk a little more NIL. And after that, we'll have a game today again, judging some of the top highest paid coaches in college football. If they're paid too high, too low, or just right. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 5.9, Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Wilberson, Brant Daughtry with you here on this Thursday, moving right along. With the 4th of July being on a Tuesday, what day of the week does it feel like for you guys? Tuesday. You Friday. think it's Tuesday? Oh, you think it's Friday? Yeah. 
That very different know. answers. So Brooks, you're like, hey, that well, to be fair, you didn't work Monday. Nope. So that really was like a whole weekend. Yeah. So I've got good news for you. I don't want that good news. You, you that don't. you're really close to the weekend, even oh, though you yeah. think it's Tuesday. Yeah, that, that I do want that good news. All right, well, we'll we'll shove you back to Tuesday. Oh, cool. Brand, I've got some bad news, but then I follow it by some good news. What's that? Bad news is it's not yet Friday. That's true. The good news is you won't be here tomorrow. That's also true. So this is kind of like your Friday. Yeah. I think it feels kind of like Wednesday, <laughs> just because it's the third show we've done this week. I don't know. It's like a Wednesday Tuesday hybrid. But it's 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 very close to the weekend already, so cannot complain about that. Three three four eight eight seven thirty four one locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine. Then join us on the Auburn Bank phone line today. We go to that Auburn Bank phone line for the first time. Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you everybody for uh, taking my uh, phone call, and uh, I uh, gave you guys a break. I uh, thought you know. It was about time, you know, that uh, you know, you know, got a little bit of relief from me. Uh, I went and saw with my daughter uh, Indiana Jones, the final oh. episode. Okay, how was it? I give it a nine. Awesome. Excellent. Awesome. I know Brooks is going to be seeing it pretty soon. Yeah, uh, this is one of the movies I did not go uh, fall asleep in. Sometimes I'll do that, but uh, no, it's uh, and I know the Rotten Tomato critics didn't give it that high rating, or the audience did, but uh, hey, what do they know, right? The critics, uh, they're. Uh, they compared it to the very first episode. Well, I've rarely seen, you know, too many sequels that uh, are better than the uh, the, uh, the first, uh, you know, uh, the first film in that uh, in those uh, foggies. So anyway, uh, it's, it's worth seeing, and it really, if you can, just go see it at the, at the big screen. Uh, I don't care how big a screen TV is; it won't do justice. Uh, I agree. Special thanks. I agree. All right. Speaking of doesn't do justice, guys, I listened to the podcast. Uh, early this morning, and uh, uh, Jeff, I want to commend you. You had some well thought out comments and insights, and uh, uh, I, I I applaud you for actually being a reasonable uh, thinking person, uh, being the Georgia fans you are. And it's about the uh, Cam Coleman saga, guys. If I may just really digress just for a few seconds, okay? Because as I thought about it, your comments about it as well, I said to myself, you know, if Cam had been a Prediction by different websites, like a 50-50 call, 60-40. I said, okay, well, you know, it just didn't go our way. However, that was not the case, as you guys mentioned. Uh, Heath Niebuhr, Christian Clemente, Jason Caldwell, uh, other websites I went on to, uh, had it as a lock. And not only that, but uh, Christian Clemente and Jason Caldwell, he made the comment that the entire Auburn football staff were taken by surprise. Now, I mention that because then I say, well, you know, if it was that kind of surprise, why was it? What would have not had any of these uh, staff, program staff, even uh, the, uh, the, uh, the 247 Sports uh, writer, you know, uh, all the other websites, have had no inkling this, maybe this may go Auburn's way. Why were so many people played? I, I think we were all played, but how did that happen, guys? That they were, that the Cole would tell whatever he did, and take did, that they were able to have this happen the way it did, unbeknownst to everybody. Right. I, I think that common sense would suggest that 
there was a a late offer or not I should say late there's we're not really late in the process but a new offer that uh, blew Cam Coleman away probably in the NIL uh, fashion some sort of promise some sort of offer there uh, that had not been on the table before because I don't think that all of a sudden Cam Coleman or, or anyone that would commit uh, down you know with with that that high likeliness to go somewhere else I don't think all of a sudden you're just being sold on you know what now I'm down with the scheme. I've thought about it for X amount of time. I'm now convinced your scheme's good. I don't think it would have gone like that. And so, I, I mean, I think, again, we're, we're never going to have as much proof as we want to have. But I, I think it's very likely that Texas A&M just gave an overwhelming NIL offer or some sort of promise uh, under the table type of deal. And uh, that's, that's really, in my view, how it, how it has to happen that suddenly. Well, see, uh, uh, if I if I take that uh, explanation, then here's my other. But what about this then? If that is strictly what may have occurred, well, if he loved Auburn so much, or you know, everybody thinks he loved Auburn so much, he could have gone back to the Auburn staff and said, "Look, I've got this last second offer here, guys. Uh, can you help me out here? You mean we couldn't outbid a and him? Or he never decided to even approach uh, our staff to say, "Can you do any better?" Well, if if Auburn staff truly was surprised, then then clearly he would not have been going back to Auburn with trying to why? Why trying to why leverage. Why gone for more? Uh, so a couple theories again, not rock solid here, but one theory I would have is that A uh, and M could say this is you take this now or it's off the table type of deal, uh, kind of a strong arm leverage play. Uh, that you can see in the business world sometimes, like basically, like if you walk out of this room, the deal's off, kind, well, kind of thing. Do, huh? uh, we can't make this offer if you walk out the door. Well, I mean, that's again, that's a strong arm leverage play to try and get people to pre- pressure them into commitment, um, and that's that certainly happens in the business world. Um, oh. Another thing, you know, could be. I mean, I I, I don't know. You know, if, if if Auburn truly was surprised, then I would think that, that would be. The type of deal that would have happened if Auburn, you know, if Auburn really uh, was maybe not being as forthcoming, or if it's a little bit more propped up that maybe they actually weren't as surprised, that maybe Auburn just decided not to match that or or expend resources elsewhere. So, I you know I don't know which one it would be, but again, I still think it's pretty clear that it had to be on the NIL opportunity side of things. I just I just don't see how all of a sudden if if that many people are sure about the momentum even beyond just the confines of Auburn, I don't see how it would have been something that's just like X's and O's related to then be such a big game changer. Yeah, and, you know, uh, again, it's not my, my view or my suspicion, but this, again, these comments about the Auburn football staff being completely taken by surprise, um, these were comments from reliable sources in the program from both Critch Clemente and from Jason Caldwell that they were the, the 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 football staff was completely taken by by surprise. And then I think about the parents, guys. So you know, you talk about well, you know, they're not going to stop. Uh, maybe to keep. I, I don't know. I want him. Uh, that's me, guys. Because uh, I'm old school when, I, when it comes to ethics and integrity. I think about the parents of this this guy. You know, I'm thinking. Wait a minute now. You know, uh, if you don't care to go to Auburn, I mean, go ahead and be upfront about it. You know, don't play shenanigans. You know, let's be ethical. But apparently. These parents, uh, these kids are 
around the integrity of ethics either. Uh, that's just my take on it. Steve, I, let, I, let me let me let, let me answer this question. Nobody in this show is in the business of questioning a kid's moral or ethics or or that of his parents. We don't know these kids, and we're not going to make those kinds of projections. Behavior tells me about your ethics. Okay? You you uh, don't know the kid. You don't know the reason. I, I've said this a million times. I'm going to use my words now. You don't know every detail. You don't know these kids. There's a million different reasons this could have gone down. Now, okay. it, it may be totally for money, but it may be life-changing money. You know? Like, we don't know what situation Cam Coleman comes from. So we're, I, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, this kid... He lied. He went back on his word because he may have been offered something that Auburn was flat out not going to offer him. Auburn may have told him, hey, you're only worth this much and we're not going to go over from it. And Cam Coleman may have been okay with that until Texas A&M came and said, hey, we know what the Max Auburn's going to offer you. Well, here's this oil baron money that Auburn can't touch. We're willing to pay it when Auburn's not. That is life-changing. Forget about football. I don't dispute that. I'm just... It, um, to me, I'm old school, you know, and I harken back. I talk about ethics and integrity. Uh, people like Reuben Foster putting a uh, darn AU tattoo on their arm and then nowhere to be found on campus. Well, Reuben Foster was uh, also went to prison at some point, so you can question his moral and ethics. Okay. Well, we're going to move on from that, uh, but uh, I just have some questions about continuing to, to pursue a uh, uh, kid that uh, his parents uh, said it's okay to behave like this. Speaking of this kind of behavior, guys, there's a really interesting article here written day by uh, Mr. Uh, Marshall, and it's entitled Flowing Cash, State Laws, NCAA Spark, College Football Turmoil. So he talks about the uh, A&M uh, saga with Cole Cam, Cam Coleman, and then about the, uh, you know, Texas passed a uh, law, especially Slaker saying that Texas state law is going to govern how we do business. That's their quote. And, of course, CSA responded that uh, it has been clear, it says, and maintained that schools must adhere to NCA legislation when it conflicts with permissive state laws. And then they responded with state law is going to govern how we do business. So if that's the case, guys, since apparently they're saying we don't really care, uh, NCA, what your rules are, we're going to do what we want to do, then if they're going to continue to be a... I guess they force to be respected and, you know, to uh, be, uh, I guess, adhere to their policies, then I have a suggestion to the NCAA. Here's how you get to stop this crap, uh, the NIL, because the NIL is not supposed to do what it's doing anyway. It's supposed to be intended, what, for existing players, right? Not for future players, correct? Uh, say that last part one more time. The NIL was intended to be incentives for players who are already on the roster, not for sure. possible yes. incitement in incentives for future players. Correct. So why don't they do this, guys? Okay, give me your thoughts. Why don't they just say, okay, uh, people who are uh, violating the spirit and the intent of NIL, then here's what we find out you're, you're violating it. And like Texas, you said, you don't give a damn about what our policies say. You are going to only obey what you want to. Here's what we're going to do. If we find that you are continuing to violate these rules, that we've set for NIL, uh, uh, for, for, for NIL uh, 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 rules and criteria, then you don't get to play in the playoffs. You don't get to go to any bowl games. How about that one, guys? Yeah, I mean, a postseason being there. Look, the NCAA needs to have a more um, 
restrictive element to their their ruling of this. They also need to, if they if they wanted to be serious about it, they would need to police it more. Which again, we've talked about a lot of different times that the NCAA's policing policy has always been that uh, they let a lot of things go unless it just becomes so out in the open, so so obvious with concrete details. And I think that that's still, I mean, the way that they want to operate here. I mean, they've, they've showed no signs of trying to really stiffen the way they need to stiffen and that sort of thing. And I think that already a, a lot of people don't really respect the NCAA. I don't think that that's a thing that's slowly waning. I think that a lot of people have already soured on the NCAA, both fans, uh, athletic departments. I think a lot of people are irritated. So, uh, you know, I think the NCAA continues to just be kind of a, a, a toothless uh, organization for the most part that kind of only only polices things when they become so apparent that they're just not allowed to ignore them anymore. Well, I mean, well, what do you think about that as a strong disincentive? They say it's in their power. They can say you're banned from uh, the, the playoffs and from bowl games. Sure. I mean, if you're, if you're violating the intention of NIL and you're paying players when you're not supposed to uh, against the rules, then I think that that is a pretty fair outcome there at that point that's obviously a serious penalty but it's also it's also a serious uh it's a serious you know thing that you're violating there i mean again people are not teams are not supposed to be doing this and i don't know if there's some sort of legal contract some sort of thing that they can try to say that they're technically you know they since they don't receive any of the money till they get on campus it's just like a promise and that sort of stuff you know, if they can get away get away with it in that that context, but I mean, obviously, yes. And and every coach, a lot of prominent coaches have talked about it. Uh, that it's just you, this was not what it was intended to do, and it's turning out that way. And if the NCAA really wanted to uh, be on top of it, they could go to all these big schools, any of them, any of them, any of the Power Five schools and be checking out what they're doing, and they're probably going to find violations with just about everybody because that's the way that it has become is that it is it is promises to these kids before they get on school and what they will make when they are in school, and that was not what it was intended to do. Well, okay, so I'll leave it, but you know, I agree with uh, Bill Marshall's final comment here in this article. He says, if it's going to be all about cash or mostly about cash, then a handful of programs willing to prostitute the game Loved by so many, will be dominated, and that's how it's going to be. Okay, let's move on. Today in sports history, guys, several interesting uh, events occurred. Um, one occurred in 1957 on this date. Do you have to know what it might have been? No, uh, I wish it was Auburn's national championship. It's certainly no, that period, not but not in July. Um, not in July. What? Uh, what else? I don't know. Was something baseball related? No, it's tennis. Tennis. Okay, I'm watching Wimbledon on the TV right now. Right. Well, that's why I thought I'd bring it up because it occurred on this day, on July 6th, this date, Althea Gibson is the first woman, African-American woman, to win the Wimbledon championship in right. singles. And she was very good at it because she won it also the following year. And she ends up being in the Ladies Professional Golf Association Hall of Fame. All right. And the National Lawn Tennis Association Hall of Fame. So she not only did that, but she also played exhibition tennis matches for who? The Harlem Globetrotters before their games. Huh. Yeah, I never that? knew any of this, for sure. Didn't knew that either. All right. Another 
event occurred on this day, uh, which originally was never intended to continue. And it's in baseball. Do you know what that event might be on this date? And it occurred in 1933. Uh, 1933 was like Babe Ruth's last game or something? I don't know. No, this is an event that wasn't, was not intended, in fact, to continue after the first um, year they did this. But now it's a automatic expectation. Take me out to the ball game? No. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. This was Major League Baseball's first All-Star game. Oh, okay. I did. Yeah, I did. No idea it started in 1933. This is 90 years then. Yeah. And 90th anniversary took place where? At Kaminsky Park. Oh, I was going to guess Polo Grounds. Dang. All right. Yeah, Kaminsky Park. <laughs> Kaminsky Park, yeah. It was during the, the Depression. Apparently, according to the article from uh, History Channel, uh, attendance of baseball games had gone down immensely because of uh, the, uh, the the major depression that had been going on, the Great Depression. Sure. And so owners did all kinds of things. They even gave free groceries wow. to get them to attend games. Yes. Huh. Yeah, I did not know that. That's cool. And free admission for women. Okay. And it was intended to coincide. It actually was done by a person who didn't play baseball. Uh, they were a sports columnist. And he convinced the Chicago Tribune owner, let's do this and see if we can maybe uh, incentivize the, the game baseball again for people, you know, get them out of there, uh, the depression that was going on in the mood. And it worked. In fact, he told the owner, I didn't know, I was reading this, uh, the writer told the owner of the Chicago uh, Tribune, if this doesn't pan out, you can take it out of my paycheck. Wow. And That's I would say it worked. And it worked. So from then on, uh, in fact, this first game was called the Game of the Century. Hmm. And it was to coincide with the World's Fair, which happened to be in Chicago uh, in that year. So that's how it came about, guys. Very nice. If you didn't know it then, well, now you know it. All right. Uh, Moving on, guys, just real quickly. Stephen A. Smith, you know that gentleman, don't you? Yes, we do. All right. Well, uh... When I read this, I had to laugh at what he said. But, you know, he said, this is quote, he says, this ain't the end, talking about ESPN's, uh, you know, layoffs or, yeah, right. uh, terminations. He said, more is coming. He said it on his uh, take on the first take uh, comments today. And he said, yes, ladies and gentlemen, I could be next. Let me tell you all something. Don't ever, ever, ever in your life as a black person take anything for granted. Here's the one that made me almost have to laugh here. It says, I told you before, when white folks catch a cold, black folks catch pneumonia. So, uh, I said, God, he's right about that. So, guys, uh, I don't know who comments, but, but uh, I did not expect David Paul to be let go, uh, or Todd McShay. So, how is ESPN going to be paying all these millions of dollars to the SEC? and other programs by laying off all these people, by firing them, I guess? Well, because, I mean, they are still, I mean, separate in a, in a way because that's still the rights. They, they don't they don't sell their commercials. They don't sell all this stuff because of their personalities on their talk shows. They sell it because of the games being played on the field and, and, and the product that that uh, pretends. And so, yeah, I mean, they obviously, this is a... This is due to a lot of things that have not gone well financially for them. Uh, obviously, the beginning factor was the cord-cutting aspect of it. 
Uh, some of it is that they have paid these high salaries to some of their experienced people and, and that sort of thing. And uh, but but you know the the media rights deal. You know what would ESPN be if they didn't have live sports? You know that like they at, at the end of the day, I would tell you they've got to get some of these big contracts. So uh, you know, yes, they're always going to have to profit a lot off of them and that sort of thing, but. Uh, I think that maybe they've admitted to maybe paying some of their top people uh, a little too much or just in general the the lesser ratings just from a lot of different things due to uh, people consuming things differently and and uh, just just not having the not not having the channel on as much okay well really educate because I just kind of thought well yeah they need these games however the games are a lot more I guess entertaining and informative if you have people like, you know, the the ABC, you guys, you know, uh, Jackson, you know, who used to go, oh, Nelly, those kind of people make people want to watch ABC, uh, regardless of who the, the, the game is being played because of, of their acumen or, or, or their sure. the way they, they do the games. Sure, but I, th- I think... How a- can they afford to... Well, I mean, can these people really... I mean, to me, it's a drop in the bucket, the people that they're letting go compared to the millions of dollars I see the SEC is getting, or am I wrong there? I mean, a lot of the people that they cut, though, are still not, like, broadcast play-by-play and, and color commentators. Though. A lot of the people are on their their countdown shows and their analysis shows and that sort of thing. They didn't cut a bunch of big commentators. I think the most the, the biggest one they cut Pollock? was Jeff Fink. Well, I mean... David Pollock does the count. I mean, he does the the pregame. He does game day. I mean, that's still not a game. It's still it's still coverage shows. Well, they can so, let go of Kirk Herbstreit then. Well, I mean, Kirk Herbstreit is is. I mean, he's a bigger name than than David Pollock. Probably definitely makes more money, but also more recognizable to to college football fans. So, I mean, yes, they went through decisions. I'm not going to be able to go through every single decision that they made and, and people they hired and didn't fire, but. Or uh, and, and and fired, but they they still largely untouched was the play-by-play and color commentators outside of just a couple of guys. We're about out of time for this hour, Steve. So I we'll have to wrap it up okay. here in just a second. All right. Well, again, I would strongly, if you care, if you like Indiana Jones, this is one worth seeing. Uh, you won't be disappointed. Uh, I won't give any uh, spoilers, but uh, a lot of things go on. It's very action-oriented. Uh, you will not fall asleep. Uh, unlike my daughter. But anyway, it, uh, it's really worth uh, seeing. I highly recommend it. With that, guys, Mr. Brick Childress? Yes, sir. Please tell uh, Miss Grace that uh, she do a good job of keeping you straight. All right. All right, guys. Thanks for your time, as always. And uh, continue to listen to you later on for the podcast. And the Thunder Chickens, when you start back? Uh, next Tuesday, we've got our, our next two lot lawming games. <laughs> uh, next two losses. Is that 40 and slip? <laughs> a little bit. Okay, guys, thanks for your time. My time is way up. Have a safe afternoon and evening, and we'll talk again tomorrow. War Eagle until then. War Eagle, Steve, appreciate your phone call. That is Retire Ward AM. Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Just a minute or two left here in this hour. A lot of different things there with NIL. And uh, also, and you know, go I, ahead. Yeah. I, I wanted to, to say, you know, about the ESPN stuff, because it, it happened Friday. I wasn't here last week. So you're seeing this move in in sports media, at least, and beneficial to guys like us. Um, it there it's you're, you're looking for, if you're a big corporation, you're looking for younger, cheaper talent. And you, if you can find that, and there's, you know, you, you look at, you know, like the Syracuses, the Missouris of the world, they're pumping out new journalists and new, 
you know, sports broadcasters every single day, uh, every single semester. And so you're looking for younger, cheaper talent. You're obviously going to keep them the big, big names that get you the clicks. But if you can find that uh, the the same product cheaper you're going to go move to that and especially you know it, it especially when you've got these massive tv deals for live sports which is what keeps espn and fox sports afloat uh you know you're you're gonna try to find ways to cut some cut cut some costs to be able to afford those deals yeah i mean again we again we saw a lot of people cut steve was talking about the during game part of it which that was not really cut no. jeff van gundy was the most relevant name in that yeah. arena uh, the third, the third commentator there on NBA, uh, ESPN's premier NBA broadcast, they could choose to go two person. I've heard that Doris Burke might be elevated, so you know that 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 is still not some cataclysmic shift. If they had canned, you know, someone like Chris Fowler, and then they had canned uh, Mike Breen in the NBA, one of the most iconic NBA voices ever, then we would have been. I would my head wouldn't have been spinning. My head almost started the spin with like McShay and all that and Pollock was surprising for sure. But like still, you know, Pollock is making a, a good number, but the most important person on that show is Kirk Herbstreet now that Lee Corso is kind of is, is just a little too old to, to be to be what he was. And plus when you look at game day, you just signed um, McAfee. McAfee to a massive contract. So you're gonna include there. him yeah. on there and and look, that show, you know, he's got this big contract. Some people wonder if, if they're paying for his big contract. Well, it'll depend on how well they sell that show. If they sell that show and make millions of dollars off, off of that, off of his, you know, 12 or $13 million per year salary, whatever it is, then they'll say no. I mean, that that's a direct, we've made the money back and then some. If, if they end up in two years and they've not sold the ads and sold the sponsorships and all that for it, then, yeah, it's the casualties will be partly because of that. So it's kind of hard to know, um, but they certainly plan on making money off of that or else they would not have, uh, have signed that. It's Stephen A. we know makes a lot of money. He was referenced there. Uh, you know, that would be when you weigh the biggest contracts, you're, just, you're weighing value at the end of the day. You're what, and we're going to do kind of this in just a minute, by the way, uh, in the second hour about contracts. You're weighing value. And someone might be paid a million dollars but gave you $2 million of value. And someone may be making f- uh, $5 million, gave you $3 million of value. Well, then you cut the five because you're, you're losing $2 million on the kind of value that you bring in there. And, and if you wanted to flip that, it's like, okay, well, if Stephen A's making $10 million and one guy – other guys making one million is like well let's cut the 10 million or not if Stephen a if you feel he brings in 15 million dollars of value to that guy's one or one and a half and it's almost equal that guy's bringing in five million dollars more value for you so there's a lot of different ways to compute that you say how do you compute that well what about his radio show what about his tv show what do we sell what uh, what's outstanding and that sort of stuff so there's a lot that goes into that and it gets into the very heavy business side of things but at the end of the day it's not as simple as just cutting the biggest salaries if they provide the value for you and, and that makes sense in, in all different kinds of businesses sports and and non-sports we're out of time here for hour number one stay tuned in hour number two i guess more money talk because we'll talk a little bit more about nil but we'll also Coming up a little bit later in the 4 o'clock hour, uh, have a, uh, a new segment debut where we talk about the top highest paid college football coaches. We'll tell you if they're overpaid, underpaid, or paid just right. Also a reminder, birthdays and sports coming up in the next hour as well. We'll be right back after this timeout.
one hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Brant Daughtry with you here on this sunny and warm Thursday afternoon. Brooks, when you went up to the Carolinas, yeah. was it still swel- sweltering heat? It was very hot. It was when not, you were in Bank of America Stadium, it was, was it also still hot? Swe- okay. The, the good thing, though, is there was a constant breeze throughout the game, so it kept the temperature down just a little bit. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was hot. Yeah, and uh, the U.S. soccer team has been playing hot recently. They have been playing hot and uh, had a scorching. Had another big performance a little bit later. I don't know if uh, we won't get it today. I'm again scatterbrain talking out loud. Tomorrow we will have Sports Calls Player of the Week, and uh, that's when we have the wink, wink, hint, hint about uh, the U.S. soccer team. Uh, let's continue on though with the show today. Again, coming up in a little bit, birthdays and sports, and a little bit after that, we'll break down these top highest paid coaches in college football. Of course, that has just continued to trend so high up, even from 10, 20 years ago. Some of these figures, if you've not been keeping up with it, will maybe surprise you. So that's why we will judge if they are being paid too much, too low, or just right. I did want to bring up this storyline that I saw late yesterday on the show today. Now, granted, this is for a good cause, but I just want to get your your guys' thoughts because surely I don't think that you would be signing up for this. Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers is hosting a meet-and-greet for fans on July 22nd. That's 16 days away for those interested. Right after SEC Media Days. So right we, after we can, We're available. <laughs> Tickets for an evening with Quinn Ewers. All right. Here's the cost. 60 bucks. You would, you would have hoped. VIP. No, I don't want to start that way. Kids. We'll okay. Start, we'll kids. start on the low end. Kids. Kids usually get in, you know, pretty cheap. Free. A good, solid eight-year-old yeah. that has no idea who Quinn Ewers is. Thirty-eight dollars. Thirty-eight dollars. Thirty-eight dollars. Not exactly kids eat free. Not terrible, but like still, you could. Does it concern you for what I'm about to read? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Adults. It has an eight in it. Two hundred and eighty-three dollars. What? Nice. There's nice. that much of a difference? Oh my gosh! Look for like, a, I, I would love to know what's in these packages because you said VIP, which makes me think like there's, there's levels to this thing. Yeah, I need to double check that to be fair. It's just the shock value of these prices. Yeah, for the VIP, whatever that is, two thousand three hundred twelve dollars. <laughs> oh my gosh! You could buy season tickets for I don't know multiple years. Yeah. 
or you can have a VIP Quinn Ear experience. Uh, this was via on three yesterday. So I don't know if, uh, if you'd like thing. to go down that rabbit hole and figure out what all the VIP thing yeah, includes. I'm, I'm about to go find, I've, I think I, I found this thing on Eventbrite. To me, it's just like if the adult whatever this is, is $283 again. I mean, it's just, what what would that be? Corporate sponsorships are available, folks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Soon to be in this league, although Quinn will probably not be playing in this league if he's, I think I saw a mock draft had him in the top ten. As the number three QB taken, so don't think he'll be playing in the SEC uh, next year, other than of course a trip to Tuscaloosa this fall. But uh, yeah, would you uh, would you like a VIP experience with your favorite collegiate athlete for twenty three hundred dollars? Do I get like a percentage of whatever his first pro contract is? <laughs> is this the only way I'm paying for two thousand dollars for <laughs> to, to meet up with any athlete? There, there's not an athlete in the world, much less a kid who started in college for what one year. Yeah, yeah, he's like he's good. I like watching him. He's a good quarterback, but two thousand dollars for like a meet and greet with, assuming like a bunch of other people. Like it's not going to be a one on one with the guy. Yeah. You're going to be in there with, I, I'm assuming several rabid UT fans. So they so, did say proceeds will benefit the nonprofit, merging vets and players, but. I don't know. I feel like there's still going to be something pocketed by Quinn and company. Surely, for his time. Brooks, are you, you look overwhelmed. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the, the <laughs> ticket. Like, I found where you can buy tickets. So you can do a pay another way or do PayPal. Um, pay another way. I'll have a friend pay for it. The, the child <laughs> ticket, which is 18, anybody 18 and under, or under 18, I'm sorry, under 18, so 17 and under. Okay. Uh, includes soft drink and hors d'oeuvres, but does not include an autographed collegiate jersey. Right, That's so, it. Oh, so they're, so they're getting jerseys with this food, thing. selling jerseys, I guess. Okay. So they so like that's all you get. You get to walk in, get a soft drink and hors d'oeuvres, <laughs> and maybe you see Quinn Ewers in the corner. <laughs> you see yeah. you see him hanging out like fifty feet away. You get to wave at him. And a, the adult ticket includes drink tickets and hors d'oeuvres, includes an autographed collegiate jersey, and a photo op with Quinn. Okay. Ticket holders will receive a signed collector jersey and a signed pro jersey. Okay, because jerseys can be a hundred yeah. bucks. So yeah. Okay, that's not as outrageous at face value. I'm glad I went for shock value first, so everybody's now the, blood pressure coming down. The VIP is for uh, VIP passes for four includes a reserved area for VIPs, which is a group of four, drink tickets and hors d'oeuvres, photo opt, and meet with Quinn. Each ticket holder receives an autographed collective jersey. And then you, there's another what option. What was even that different about that? You get you get meet and greet, and not just the photo op. Yeah, you get to, yeah photo op and meet with. Oh, Quinn. so I get to say hi, Quinn. I yeah. like that you're good at football. And All right, bye, Quinn. And, yeah. and he'll actually say something back to you. You can say that in a photo op. He just won't talk to you. He'll just smile and be like, <laughs> "It's like be close to a cardboard cutout." All he can all he can do is hold up a card that says, "I'm contractually obligated to remain silent with you." <laughs> and then there's another option. It's $180. It's can't attend. Mail me an autographed jersey. Can't attend, but you want to support Quinn? Receive an autographed collective jersey to be mailed after the event for $180. See, that doesn't That's sound like proceeds benefiting. <laughs> 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 that, that sounds like supporting Quinn. Well, I, like, I mean, it, I, surely, like, most of it is to benefit, but he's also, I mean, he's right. taking, like, time out of his day to do this. But, like, I'm, I just want to know, like, there's nothing on here that gives me, like, an itinerary of what's happening. 
and it just no, sounds you're like you're going to see him for 80 seconds that's what I'm saying, and go is, on your way. Is I know, like I I get the jersey is. Um, we'll say 180 dollars for an autographed jersey is not bad. Right, that's a that's it, reasonable. It's not the, bad, the, but it's still like you're you're advertising it as an evening with Quinn Ewers, and you're just going to get <laughs> shuffled through a line, <laughs> take a picture, and like, move on. You're going on a date with the kid. <laughs> well, it sounds like he should be like you know having like a like a you know good a, for him. Like a sit on a stage and kind of talk, you know, take questions from yeah, the like audience. Yeah, like a Q and A. Yeah, but it's like that'd be cool, actually. Maybe a variety show thrown in there or something. He comes out and juggles <laughs> or something. I don't know. Quinn, throw each of us a pass. He sings the eyes of Texas. <laughs> Sails it over somebody. <laughs> but like, it's it. It sounds like you're just shuffled in. They keep him in a, like a separate room. You get your drinks and hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> then you shuffle through the line. We get your picture. They hand you your jersey and they shove you back out with the populace. I'm imagining, I'm imagining him in like the Pope mobile, riding <laughs> through this building, <laughs> just encased in the glass bubble. Now look, as much of it as we do uh, make fun of here. Now this is the type of thing that is what was supposed to be with NIL. Like yeah. this is the type of thing that's. That's above board, and everyone's free to do this. And well, you're not free to attend, but everyone's no. free to do this. And <laughs> not even your kids are free to attend. <laughs> and so, and your kids don't even get to meet Quinn. That's just the thing. The kids <laughs> get to include a meet yeah. a photo. What's the? I'm they, imagining the kids just get to go. I'm There's a, like a babysitting area yeah. somewhere. I'm imagining the premise of all right, kids. Daddy's gonna go meet Quinn Ewers now. You just stand <laughs> in this corner and don't get lost, okay? Just stand over here. Stand over here with, with Bevo. With your soft drink. <laughs> is Bevo going to be there? No, but I'm just imagining like, so cool. that's the pen. It's Bevo's in the pen. You just throw your kids in there with them. Babysitter Bevo. <laughs> it's not the, dog, the Georgia gets, Bulldogs. It's, so it's, not, not, it's not Uggo, so they should yeah. be fine. <laughs> Listen, I know it's it's some at some point this is for a good cause somewhere in the year, but it just... It doesn't sound like it, and it sounds like the most half-hearted attempt at a an evening with. You, you know, on, but honestly, on, like I'm not, I'm not I'm mad at Texas. It. I'm not mad at Quinn Ewers right, for I'm this. Not. It's like if you're if you're an adult and you're like, I'm gonna spend two thousand dollars of my hard-earned money on. Meet this kid on, that on we might ex- bench halfway yeah, through the on, season. Yeah, on this experience. Throws a couple piss, uh, picks in Tuscaloosa, excuse me, <laughs> and, and then throws a couple picks in Tuscaloosa, and then all of a sudden, hey, it's Arch Manning time. Yeah. <laughs> I, listen. I, I can't. I uh, at the bottom of this page, There's uh, it, it links you to other events you may like. The first one I see is an evening with Sarah McKenzie. And she's an author, so this is going to be slightly different. But I want to see how an evening with Quinn Ewers compares to an what evening. What has she authored? Yeah, uh, a book uh, called oh, "Thank You." Called the read, <laughs> the read aloud family, uh, making meaningful and lasting connections with your kids. Unlike at the Quinn Ewers, <laughs> right, disconnect. Unlike when you leave them in the corner. <laughs> so it, what is she? It, it's hold on. How long is the Quinn Ewers thing? Quinn Ewers thing is. Um, this is awesome. Two hours and 30 minutes. She's going for an hour. You get, uh, gosh, what is, uh, I'm trying to read aloud, family. Sarah will be discussing both books with our children and young adult book buyer, Avery, and be available for a signing. So she's talking to yeah, people. She's, she's going to be like on a stage doing like yeah. a, a round table type thing with people in attendance. That's fair. And so I'm sure she's not Quinn Ewers, the, you know, maybe starting quarterback of Texas football. So, but 
you're you're actually getting to talk to this person, hear from them, and get an autograph. Meanwhile, they're uh, it feels like again they're just shoveling you through like Bevo <laughs> through the, the through the pasture to get your picture taken with Quinn. Maybe say <laughs> hi. Maybe he'll speak back to you, and then you move him on outside. Uh, it just doesn't. I'm sorry. I mean, you look. You have a lot of money. You do what you want with it. But it just doesn't seem like you get. I'm talking about value earlier. Value is going to be a word that we There's, use a lot today. Doesn't seem like great value. There's four pictures of Quinn Ewers on this page. One is him wearing the golden cowboy hat from where they beat Oklahoma. The other one is him walking out of the stadium with the horns up. I'm supposing after a bowl loss or something. It looks like. Uh, and then the other two is him hunting. It appears in high school. At least can we get like a hunting story or something like this? The fit like there's a fish. Look at this picture, fish. Picture that bass is embellished. He's holding it right up to the camera. That, that fish is not nearly that, that yeah. big. But still, like that's like. Can we get a story about how you caught that fish or how you killed this turkey? That is a nice turkey. Like, s- give me something, Quinn. Or eating wild turkey, it's delicious. Look, listen. Here's I've an eaten Thanksgiving turkey. Bounce this wild turkey. It's what different. if we held this event at Texas Day Brazil? <laughs> And then I could at least be eating a lot of like meat. One of the, while doing one of the Birmingham this. schools. Uh, look, because like you've got, I don't know if you would have a Texas State Brazil location in Texas. I know they're all over the place, but um, whatever the whatever the type of Brazilian steakhouse is there. Doesn't Vince Young have a steakhouse that's really good? Like, like Vince sure. Young Steakhouse, I think, is a big thing in Austin. All right, it's not in Austin, but there's one in Dallas and one in Houston, so we can make it work. Yeah. We'll make it work. I don't know how far those two cities are from, from it, Austin. Austin's no like idea. right smack dab in the middle between them or something okay. like that. That'd be a little bit of drive. Texas is a massive state, though. Like It I very know. much is. It very much is. It is. How many hours is it from uh, the Louisiana border to El Paso? Wasn't it like 12? Two, two days. 11? <laughs> I don't remember. 12. 12 hours. I think it's like 11. Oh no That's refunds, by the way. So if you ah. if you can't, <laughs> your foot if, if enters you, the door. Yeah, if you can't go to an evening with Quinn Ewers, it's it's over. You're you, you're sending him the two thousand dollars for your VIP tickets, and then you can't go. He'll mail you the jersey, maybe. Yeah. No, no, it's not the option. You have to if you, the only so option is the one hundred and eighty, where you get the uh, get it sent to you after the fact. I just don't know, man. I I would not. I would not be there, I don't believe. We're going to take our next break of the show. When we come back, we're going to go back to the Auburn Bank phone line. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. To join our conversation, tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call.
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, and Brooks Childress with you here. I would like to announce yes. that I'm, uh, in the near future, going to be launching an evening with Brooks Childress, <laughs> where you just get to come into a restaurant of my choosing. I don't know what it's going to be. Sure. Well, we'll, we'll get some corporate sponsors, uh, and I'm going to sit in a corner booth, and you get to walk past the table and kind of give me like a, a nod. <laughs> and the VIP experience is you get to uh, sit down at the table for 30 seconds, eat a piece of bread, and leave. And I don't talk to you. Can I dip the bread in something? No, like it's an just olive straight oil or bread. something? It's straight bread. <laughs> you know what? Fine. You can put some butter on it. But you, you still have to is do the, it. Everything has to be done in 30 seconds. Okay. So, like, knife, butter on the bread yeah, so in, I would re- in my mouth in front of you. I would recommend bringing seconds. your own what bread What are you going to charge table? for this uh, really all-inclusive experience? Uh, I'm going to say $300 for the, the bear package, 52 for kids, and VIP where you get to sit and eat the bread would be 3000 Man. That's so, expensive. That's the Lord's bread. At that so point. you're telling yeah. me for significantly less money, I can just go up and watch people sit down at a table and eat bread really fast? Yeah. I, I think I'd rather do that. <laughs> or Seems like it's going to work, Brooks. Congrats on this. Or for idea. significantly <laughs> less money, you can go to the Quinn Ewers and even with Quinn Ewers and be shuffled through a room. <laughs> Oh man, three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine to join us on the show today. We go back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Matt from Tallahassee. Matt has joined us. Matt, how are you doing today? Where's my man Brooks? What's up, man? Brooks, what's up? How's it going? Hey, he Thompson been kind of behaving a little bit. He's because... kind of been misbehaving a little bit. Yeah. Uh oh. We'll have to you straighten ask, them out. You can ask Ryan and, and um, Cam. All right. Well, I'll have to ask Cam. Or I'll ask Cam tomorrow when he's back here. But I'll, we'll have to straighten them out then. Hey, have you and your new wife seen the new Indiana Jones movie yet? We have not seen the new Indiana Jones movie. We we have, uh, haven't made it to the theaters to see that one yet. We did see Guardians of the Galaxy this week though. Oh. Uh, well, hey, I got a question for all three of you guys. First, I'll start with you first. All right. What did you think about the new commitments for next year, and also the pitching the pitching coach that Auburn got for softball? Uh, f- for softball, the the Oklahoma girl or the baseball that uh, Auburn just hired? Uh, both. Both. Okay, uh, so the, the Auburn football commitment, uh, I like it. it. You know, it adds depth to that defensive side of the ball. You're always looking for depth there. This year you've got a really experienced defense that's coming back after last year. Uh, a lot of guys that started last year probably, uh, you know, look to start again this year. So you're always building for the future. So I like that pickup. And then for both coaching hires for baseball and softball, I really like the baseball one because you've got a guy that's been in the minors and the majors here the last few years. It kind of reminds me of the Tim Hudson hire. Uh, where you've got a guy that was, you know, has experience uh, in pitching in the big leagues to come in and help coach it, and uh, and hopefully get the, the you know entice some big time pitchers to come to Auburn where they can get their hone their skills to get to uh, get to the major leagues, and then the the uh, higher on the softball side of things where you had a girl that was uh, with the Oklahoma with with Oklahoma, you always want championship pedigree, and so getting someone that knows how to win championships on, on a very consistent level, I, I like the move. Uh, and hopefully it can it can pay off with hopefully getting Auburn softball to a championship here soon. Well, hey, Tom and Kevin, before you answer, I want 
to ask Brooke another question. All right. Brooke, what, what do you think about the commitments that for football next year? The ones from, like, I think, Cam, and then, like, the ones from, uh, you're trying to get his teammate to come to commit. But what do you think about the commitment for football? For I mean, again, it, it's I love bolstering the, the, the roster. You've got some guys that uh, you brought in from the, the transfer portal this year that are going to be talented, uh, but they may not be here that long. It, it, you've got guys that are, you know, it kind of feels like a, a couple loner players, so you always got to build for the future. And if you can start you know, creating pipelines to certain schools, it, it you know really builds out because you you've seen uh, you know let's say for example Central Phoenix City has had a lot of guys come out of there real, uh, recently and they've gone to Georgia and they've gone to Clemson they've gone to Alabama and if you can start you know building a pipeline to say a school like that that's got you know uh, four stars and five star talents uh, it, it can really help build a program quick. So do you think and and uh, you can answer this and then like uh, I want to get Tom's. I mean, Brent and Cam's uh, things on. But what do, you, do you think Auburn might get the player if he would between Georgia Tech and Auburn? And now you answer that, and then I wanted to get commitments on like the results from Ryan and Cam about the softball hiring to and um, – in the commitment too. So you're asking if if a commitment is if a commit is trying to pick between Auburn and Georgia Tech, who I think if he would be more likely to go to Auburn. Yeah, because his his dad played for Georgia Tech, I think. I mean, it, I think it depends on what you know what you're looking at. If you're looking at a, a program that is you know a, a little bit more uh, you know positioned to win quicker. Uh, I think that you would you would go to Auburn. You you've seen you know you could play in the SEC, but I'll, you know if if your dad played at Georgia Tech, I, I you know there's the the level there. You may want to continue in the the family tradition, but on the other hand, you may want to build your own legacy and not be seen as you know this guy's kid that now plays where he played. Maybe you want to go and build your own legacy. We've seen that happen quite a bit of uh, around the Southeastern Conference. The, the one that I can think of the most is uh, Kumar Rocker, who was the pitcher. I know this is going into baseball, but he was a pitcher, and his dad, Tracy Rocker, played at Auburn, but he went and played at Vanderbilt because he didn't want to, you know, he, he's like, I'm going to go build my own path, went to Vanderbilt, and, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think you could go either way, but uh, I, I think if you, were in a, if you were in a recruiting battle between Auburn and Georgia Tech, I think Auburn's got the upper hand there. Yeah. So, hey, um, and Brent and Cam. What's up? What do you guys think about the commitment for next year? And what do you guys think about the hiring for softball? Yeah, so Cam's not here, but I, I can go ahead and take this question. I, I really, uh, you know, I like a lot of the players. I don't think any of them are just massive difference makers, but I think, you know, any time you get a class together that's solid, you're going to find some really good players in there, and that's what they're trying to build towards. Obviously, uh, when it comes closer to signing day in a year or so, we'll look more at the, the kids that have signed with Auburn, and once those – once those eggs are, are hatched, so to say, then uh, you know we'll take a more detailed look at it. Uh, I think anytime you can get somebody from Oklahoma softball to come help out your program, that's going to do that. That's going to help you a lot. Uh, that's a program that knows how to win, obviously. So uh, anytime you can go get somebody from that staff to come be on your staff, I think it's a good move. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, Brooke, I just want I just wanted to tell you, like, uh, I've been trying to talk to Ryan, and probably next year, I can see if I can play with you guys. Dane wants to play third, but I was going to ask you, Brooke, what position do you play on the team? What position do I play on the team? 
Yeah. Uh, I'm a I'm a flex player, so there's there's been times that I've been in the outfield, I've been in the infield a little bit, uh, mainly the middle infield. So I've been kind of fluctuated between shortstop and second base, and maybe a little extra infielder there. But recently, I've I've been put at catcher a lot, and then a, a D, uh, DHing a little bit. So I'm I'm a lot of times I'm sitting on the bench during the games, but you know it, it it's hot out there, so I don't mind it. Yeah. Well, hey, hey, Brent. Hey, Ryan, did you say that you played catcher, or was that Tom that said played catcher? Uh, Tom played catcher in the last game. He typically does not catch. I'm always in the outfield. Say to Brooke, are you better catcher than Tom? Am I a better catcher than Tom? Um, I've got more experience back there. That was Tom's first game catching for us. Yeah. And so I, I'm, I'm not going to say that, I, you know, I'm, I'm a team player. I don't want to say that I'm better than anybody at certain positions, but uh, I'll just say that I'm a little more experienced at the position than Tom is. So do you guys have, when's your guys' next game? Uh, we've got two games on Tuesday. The doubleheader? Yes, uh, doubleheader. Hey, so, hey, Brooke, see me, hey, Brooke, talk to JJ and see if he'll let you pitch. Uh, well, I don't know if I want to pitch. I'm, I've, I've seen JJ pitch, and it, it can get pretty dangerous out there if the the balls are flying right back at you. And so I, I'm, I'm fine not pitching. Well, hey, I told I told Ryan this. I can play right field, right center, left field, left center, probably short, probably first, probably pitch. And um, so I get to, used to that when I was in Special Olympics. I played outfield and pitcher. Slow pitch and stuff that, but hey, Brooke, it was nice talking to you. I miss talking to you. Yeah. <clears throat> I hope you're on a show Monday if you can make it. Yeah, we'll have to see. Usually on Mondays, I'm pretty busy, and we've already got Brant and Tom on the show, so it, it, it usually doesn't work out for me to be on the show on Mondays. But I'll, you know, but, I'll try to get on and talk to you. Hey, you need to come on Mondays and try to try to keep Tom straight because Ryan says that Tom's not doing that good. Oh, uh, well, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give him a talk before the show Monday. How about that? Maybe maybe you bring your wife on the show sometimes. I can ask her questions. Maybe. Maybe uh, see if she wants to come on the show. All right. Well, if you guys, if you, hey, uh, Ryan and Brooke, if you guys see JJ, give him a big war eagle for me. And um, if you guys talk to Javon Reed, give him a big war go probably get him on the show sometime. And um, I'll talk to you guys next Monday. And war go to guys. And, um, and Brooke, one more question. All right. I know it's getting close to football season. Yeah. And I asked, and I asked Cam, or I think I asked Brent this, but what are, and I asked Ryan this, I know what Ryan said, but what, do you think the Auburn still can win probably 10 games this year and probably lose one of that game probably against Georgia? Uh, you know, I don't know. It's a little too far out to be making full predictions just yet. You know, we just, we're just now getting the, the, mag, the preview magazines into the office here. And so, it, you know, I, I, Alabama's really good this year. Uh, Georgia's probably going to be really good this year. LSU could be really good this year. So that's three losses yeah. right there. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be a stretch for Auburn to win ten games this year. But well, maybe next year, maybe maybe twenty twenty four, if they get the, the get the ball rolling this year with Hugh Freeze, they can get to ten wins next year. Well, well, what do you think about Georgia playing Bama next year? Yeah, I mean it's a it's a good game. It should be a fun game. We've seen it in national championships and SEC championships, and now they yeah. they get to play each other in the regular season. And then Texas and Texas A&M are playing next year. That's yeah. going to be like a fight right there. Oh, yeah. 
And um, and so so. Well, hey, um, JJ. I mean, uh, Bruce. I hope I see you at um, some basketball games this year. Uh, and when basketball season starts. And another question. I heard you you're going to a restaurant, and like, you have like a piece of bread and put butter on it. You want to say anything? You want charge? What what happens like if I come by there and go? Hey, Brooke, what's up? No, I'd you're say hi to you. you. You're not going to charge me anything? No, I'd, I'd say hi to you. Oh, but you would like, you wouldn't like, but you wouldn't charge me anything, right? No, I, I definitely wouldn't charge you. But you would charge probably Brent. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ryan. Yeah. See, see, Ryan, I'm special. Yeah, I know, I know, man. <laughs> see, Brent won't charge me anything. No, I won't. I'd have to pay full price. Yeah, see, I don't want to pay anything. Well, well that's I, awesome, Matt. I was going to say, Matt, you know what? I'll even charge my wife, and I won't charge you. How about that? Okay. All right. I'll take, I'll take that deal. Okay. All right, Matt. Well, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again next week, buddy. All right, Warrior, guys. War Eagle. That is Matt for Tallahassee. Matt from Tallahassee. Matt for Auburn joining us. On the Auburn Bank phone line, Let's uh, before we go to our next break, let's do today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Birthdays in Sports today. Willie Randolph turned 69, former MLB second baseman and manager. Randolph was born in Brooklyn, drafted by the Pirates out of high school in 1972. He made his MLB debut in 1975 at 21 years old and began an 18-year playing career. Best years were spent with the New York Yankees, where he was a six-time All-Star and one-time World Series champion. After his playing career, he went into coaching, winning four more World Series as a member of the Yankees staff, eventually becoming manager of the Mets, though. Wow. Currently an analyst for ESPN, Willie Randolph turned 69 today. Do you think the Mets want him back? I think they'd take anything different right now. They'd throw a lot of different things at the wall trying to get him to stick. I feel bad for Buck Walter. I like him, too. I do. It's just it's not working out. Pau Gasol turns 43 today. Former NBA center Gasol was born in Barcelona, Spain. Began playing basketball as a professional in Spain at 18. In 2001, he was drafted third overall by the Hawks, who traded him to the Grizzlies on draft night and won Rookie of the Year. He was a six-time All-Star, four-time All-NBA selection, two-time NBA Finals champion with the Los Angeles Lakers. His number 16 is retired by the Lakers. Paul Gasol turns 43 today. Great basketball player. Zion Williamson turns 23 today, forward for the New Orleans Pelicans when he decides to play. Williamson was born in North Carolina, was a high school All-American, averaging 36 uh, points and 11 rebounds a game as a senior. Played one season of college basketball at Duke, failing to make the Final Four, but he was an All-American, ACC Tournament champion, and ACC Tournament MVP. And he busted a shoe. And he went through the shoe. I remember him going through the shoe. Drafted first overall by the Pelicans in 2019, where he still plays today. Yeah, that's where a he kind term. of tries to train today. He's a two-time All-Star and uh, making all kinds of headlines this offseason. Zion Williamson turns 23 today. You know, when McDonald's <laughs> just calls, sometimes you have to answer the phone. <laughs> you, know, you know, when they say all press is good press. I don't I know. Th- if, I think yeah. Zion Williamson is turning to disprove that right. with all that's gone on with him this offseason. Yeah, he's had some uh, some rough press. He's done some things. Anyway, Manny Machado turns 31. Not Maybe a lot of basketball. We, we don't know. Maybe. 
Again, things. Third baseman for the San Diego Padres. Machado was born in Miami and played college baseball at Florida International. Let's go Panthers. In 2010, he was drafted third overall by the Orioles. Made his major league debut in 2012. Has played for the Orioles, Dodgers, and Padres. Six-time All-Star, two-time All-MLB, two-time Silver Slugger, one-time Gold Glove winner. Manny Machado turns 31 today. Also a member of uh, Sonny Gray's Anatomy, by the way. How's he doing? Your fantasy, fo- much your like, fantasy baseball team. Yeah, much like uh, Shohei Otani. Did you do okay? We're doing fine. Okay. And Zach Etheridge turns 35 today, secondary coach for the Auburn Tigers. Etheridge was born in Troy, Alabama, as a star in basketball and baseball as well as football. He was a freshman All-American in 2007 but suffered a neck injury in 2009 that threatened to end his playing career. He returned to the field the next year, however, and was named a captain for the 2010 Auburn Tigers, who would go on to win the SEC and national championships. In 2012, he began coaching and made his way back to Auburn in 2021. Zach Efridge turns 35 today. Regal Zach. And those are the birthdays in sports. Again, Willie Randolph, 69. Pagasaw, 43. Zion Williamson, 23. Manny Machado, 31. And Zach Etheridge, 35. We're going to go to our next timeout. When we come back, we'll start. We won't get too far into it because we only have time for maybe one, maybe two. But we'll get into the top 10 highest paid college football coaches in the country. We'll begin to tell you if they're paid too much, not enough, or just right. This is the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. For another way to listen to our show, be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Now, back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Called Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday, final segment of hour number two. But we're going to go ahead and get into our game, our new segment today. Let's let you hear about it. The business of sports is full of huge contracts. Some of them are too huge. That's too much. It's time for the guys to judge whether the contract should be raised, cut, or just right. All right, uh, good work by Brooks there to get some Bob Barker action into Gosh, that. I one. love Bob Barker. That's too much. And so we're going to go through the top 10 highest paid coaches in the country. Spoiler a lot of these are down south in the Southeastern Conference. We're going to start at 10 and go to 1. Even though I will say this, 1 is not going to be 
much of a hot take there at the end. I feel like the, the highest paid coach, so <laughs> probably deserves to be that. But uh, nevertheless, we will go ahead and start. Uh, there is a tie for 10th. We are going to use uh, 247 ultimately uh, for their numbers. They're, they were back in March. There might be one or two that got a little bit of a bump, but I think these will be pretty solid uh, overall. So we'll start with Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, who at uh, 10th in the country. You can kind of judge this in different ways, whether you want to go strictly off the money also or, you know, place in the country compared to what you think as a coach for for these people. But Lane Kiffin at 10th, he is making $9 million per year. Is that uh, just right, or does he need to be given a raise? You know, he's just given a raise, or does he need to be cut a little bit? You know, it's interesting. Obviously, context is everything. Ole Miss gave him a raise because Auburn was trying to poach him. Um, so that, that's why that figure is what it is. It's so interesting because I really think Lane Kiffin's a great coach. I think he's a, a great head of a football team at this point in his career. But the fact that he hasn't won a national championship, has not won a conference championship as a head coach, automatically not having that on your resume means that there's kind of a, a ceiling on how much I think you're worth. I wish I knew what the national average was, like how much does the average Division I Power 5 head coach make? Because if the if the answer is like the average guy who's never won a championship makes about $5 million, then, yeah, I'd say that Lane Kiffin is overpaid at that figure. Um, for a guy, if it's closer to like seven for a guy who's never won, I'd say that it's about right because I think Lane Kiffin is better than the average coach who doesn't have a championship ring as a head coach yet. But at nine, I'm going to say it's slightly over, just not having that information. But I, I think $9 million a year is a ton of money. And uh, right now, I don't think Lane Kiffin is there yet. Yeah, it, it does not look like uh, from the 247 article, it states a, uh, a national average. I do want to point out one thing, uh, if you are following along. Uh, Matt Rule is somebody that technically could be in the top 10 at $9.25 million per year, but his deal is not 100% guaranteed. Uh, and so there's there's some hoopla about that. His first season, he's only going to technically make $5.5 million. So just if anyone's like, oh, I thought Matt Rule got a huge deal. He did. He's not being considered technically because of a couple of technicalities in this list. So just wanted to give a heads up there. But, but yes, uh, so you think ultimately – Maybe a little too high or yeah. just right? Uh, according to, hold on, let me set my source here. According to rookieroad.com, never heard of that website before, but they did come up with a pretty concise answer. The average Power 5 football coach, head coach, makes somewhere between 3 and $5 million a year. So with Kiffin sitting at 9 I'm going to say he's overpaid. Interesting. I would have thought that figure would have been a little bit higher. Well, did they cite that figure from the last year? That's uh, my, that would be my only question because that, se- that seems like something good I would have guessed from a couple well, years ago. I was going to say, but we also have to take into consideration there's a lot of group of five schools. Well, he said power five. Oh, okay. I, I, yeah. yeah. So that yeah, feels so small to me. I would have thought power five that, was six yeah. or seven million yeah. on average. This article was from just before last season, so right oh, before oh. the 2022 year. Okay. Three to five million. Interesting. I still don't like that it's a range, though. I don't know. I'm just yeah, that is interesting. Because if if we if again if you got about sixty coaches in the Power Five and ten of them are making nine million plus, I don't think a bunch of them are only making one million. So I don't know. I'm just I would think my educated guess would be about six or seven million uh, on average. But anyway, so a little too high for Kiffin Brooks. You see, the, the, my big, big factor here 
is only this is going to be his fourth year at Ole Miss, and and one of those years was a COVID year. And so technically, if you want to get technical, this is going to be his third actual full football season in charge at, at Ole Miss. And he's got a 10-win season. I'm going to take out the 2020 again and just take out 2020. Uh, but you're going to have a, you had a 10-win season and an 8-win season, which feels like Ole Miss. You know, it, it feels like what, you know, what they've done in recent history with, you know, uh, maybe not Matt Luke, but like Q Freeze before that. You, you had a 10-win season, an 8-win season. Um, I, I would be lean – I would lean toward – uh, a, a little overpay because there's not a championship anywhere there that warranted the 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 pay increase. Um, there's not an SEC championship game appearance. There's not a, you know an, an SEC championship, not a playoff appearance. Um, but you're if you're Lane Kiffin, you know, and mainly he's gotten to this number because, like you you guys said, Auburn was uh, sniffing around. And they said, oh, here's some more money. Please stay here. And he said, okay. Uh, the thing, though, is Ole Miss is a school that is not, a, not one that you think about contending for, for SEC championships year in and year out or national championships year in and year out. But he's consistently had Ole Miss in the top 10 to top 15 the, the two years that he's been there at some point during the year. Like, I, I know it pro- didn't finish there, especially last year with an 8-5 and five record, but it was, you know, he's consistently yeah, had them. Yeah, clearly highly ranked until the last couple weeks. Of the he, year. He's yeah. had them up around that top, you know, that top echelon. And if you look at, you know, coming going forward after this year, you're going to have a 12-team playoff. All you've got to do, if you're Lane Kiffin, is get that, you know, let's say you get that 10 win and your top 12. Probably good chance you could be in the playoff. So you're sniffing around that right now. I'm. I think it's slightly over. I think it's a slight overpayment, um, just because there. It, it's you know it, it's still there's there's no championship there. I don't think it's egregious. I think it may be like a million dollars overpay. Like give it, give them eight million. I'm I'm gonna be real nitpicky, um, but I don't think it's egregiously overpaid. I, I think that he's from what he's done for Ole Miss raising their their profile because people talk about Ole Miss. People talk about Ole Miss with Hugh Freeze, but that wasn't until they beat Alabama. As soon as they hired uh, uh, Lane Kiffin, you're like, Ole Miss. That's a place. The you know, players are like, that's a place I want to go. Keep an eye on how that goes. Yeah, yeah. and so I, I think he, he's it's slightly overpaid just because he hasn't done a championship, hasn't had a championship, hasn't sniffed a championship or anything. It's it's, but the, for what he's done to elevate that program back up to a point where people on a national level are talking about them year in and year out. I think uh, just slightly overpaid. Yeah, I think I think I agree. I think it's become a little overpaid. He was he was underpaid on the contract before. It's probably like I think it was like five million a year, and now he's up to nine. Obviously, Auburn had something to do with that. The end of last year was concerning, although I really think that the Auburn stuff just kind of worked its way in there and kind of kind of ruined, ruined the season for them at that point. Uh, the 10-win season in 2021 in the regular season was the best regular season they'd ever had. They'd never had a 10-win season in the regular year before that. He did win the couple conference titles back at Florida Atlantic on a, on a smaller scale. But I think that it's just too early to know. To be honest with you, it's too when you're thinking top 10 coaches, top 10 coaches can have the longevity to be places 5, 10, even 15 years plus. Uh, and so it's really a little too soon 
for me to be comfortable saying that, that $9 million is right for Lane Kiffin. Yeah. If he makes a playoff appearance in 24-25, then that validates that. And uh, if he pumps out another 10-win year this year, then you feel a lot better about it. But I think it's just too soon to be having yeah Kiffin's decidedly a top 10 coach in the country and decidingly should be paid as such. Uh, again, this league is difficult, and Ole Miss, he's he's leading a program that has traditionally been the bottom half of this very difficult league. So that, that does give him credit for what he's trying to do that there. But ultimately, yeah, I still think it's, again, if you were trying to get a number, a million, million, million and a half, something in the sevens would feel better. Again, it's, I know that's kind of arbitrary, but at the same time, you know, I think he is a top 15, top 20 coach for sure. Is he top 10? Well, I start to need a few more accolades, a few more real things other than, okay, yeah, you know, he's this brilliant mind. Yeah, I get it, and I agree. I think he's very smart offensively, but needs a little bit more team success before feel good uh, putting him constantly in the top 10. Out of time for hour number two. When we come back, we'll get into the top nine. We got guys like Jimbo Fisher coming up, uh, guys like Mel Tucker. I think that was going to really be <laughs> I think that was going to be universally agreed upon. We'll continue to go through the top 10 highest paid coaches in the country. After this, you're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Hour number three of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontree, Brooks Childers with you here on this Thursday afternoon. Well, of course, remind you that the Sports Call podcast is presented by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live, if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports song, Coca-Cola taste the feeling if you're just joining us you only missed one coach of our new segment we'll tell you what we're doing right here the business of sports is full of huge contracts some of them are too huge that's too much it's time for the guys to judge whether the contract should be raised cut or just right all right so we're either raising cutting the contract or saying it's just right Today on Sports Call, we're going through the top 10 highest paid college football coaches in the country. We just went through, there's technically a tie for 10th, but we went through number 10, which was Lane Kiffin of Ole Miss. So now we move on, also making $9 million a year. And also from the Southeastern Conference is Josh Heupel of Tennessee. What about Josh Heupel? Would you give him another raise? Would you cut it down a little bit? Or do you think it's just right? I, you know, if I'm going with my my Lane Kiffin theory of 
really good coach that doesn't have a, a conference title at his current school yet. I think I got to go with overpaid, even if just by a little bit. Now, obviously, Heupel has gotten his proof of concept. He, he's proven that it can work, and he's just got to build on what he has. I, I don't know. I'm going to say overpaid, but like Lane Kiffin, overpaid by just a little bit. Okay. I think I think an above average coach for sure. Um. Yeah. I mean, it, it's the same thing. I think that they are. That you know, it, he doesn't have the championship pedigree at Tennessee. He was really good at UCF, and you know, there's a reason he got hired at Tennessee. Went 11 and two last year. This is going to be his third year there. Seven and six his first year. So. I, you know, just off of, you know, in 2020, um, the team won three games. And I know that was, it, you know, t- discount the, that game, but you still, three conference games. You take that, you go seven and six the next year, and then you go 11 and two. You've got clear building of the program. People are talking about Tennessee on a national level again. They're just outside the top 10 in the, uh, in the football power index from ESPN. It's. I think I'm gonna say for for Tennessee, uh, it's because of the upward trajectory. It's just right because I still, again, still want them to get into conference uh, championship contention. Want them to, you know, continue to uh, win. Uh, you know, continue to, to to play against the big. You know, win, win against the big boys of Bama. You still the the big thing for you. Uh, if you're Josh Heupel, you still haven't beaten Georgia, and I know that's you know you you say oh we beat you know we we beat Alabama, great, it, it's you know great that's a rivalry, but that doesn't win you the East. You know, the, beating Alabama doesn't win you the East. You got to beat Georgia. You got blown out your first year, 41 to 17, and then last year it was the the final score says it was 27 to 13. It wasn't that close. I think everybody watched that game knows it wasn't that close. I was in that stadium. It wasn't that close. Um, it's. I think it's just right. Uh, if if you can win, I say we, you know you could push it up a little bit, but I think nine million is is just right there because I, I like what he's done with the offense. If he can continue to have that success without uh, Hendon Hooker as your quarterback, give him give sure. him a pay raise. I'm going to sound a little philosophically inconsistent here mm. by saying that I think he's paid just right when I said Kiffin, who's making the exact same amount in the exact same conference. Is paid a little too much, but my re—that's how I feel too. Right, but my reasoning is—is is that okay? Well, you can say that Kiffin's job is maybe a little more impressive because Ole Miss is harder to win at in a in a vacuum. But also, just think about all the failed coaches that Tennessee's run through the last decade and a half. I mean, like I'm almost kind of rooting for the guy because I've been dogging Tennessee <laughs> for so many years because they've just continually found just the worst possible fit, some of the worst coaches that the league's seen. And so it kind of feels like a, a market adjustment for Tennessee, like actually being what they should be again and, and being a nationally relevant program and, and having a big year last year. Now, look, I'm not married to the idea that Heifel is going to be great long term. I mean, that was one quarterback. We all liked what Hendon Hooker did. Let's see what Joe Milton did, because Joe Milton's awareness was very low when he came into games uh, the last couple of years. So through threw the last pass of the game out of bounds and that whole saga and can he control the arm strength and that sort of thing? So I, I need to see Milton this year before I, you know, I think that Heupel's going to be a consistently good coach for them for a long period of time. But I think right now, what he just did last year, being sixth in the country, that's a little higher than Ole Miss's finish from their best year a couple of years ago, and uh, just how good it looked and 
and uh, given that that was the big win over Alabama, it's something Ole Miss and Kiffin have not done. I'll take Heupel as just right for now because I think that the steam behind the program, as you said, Brooks, is real, and also because I think there's one or two little subtleties to it with Tennessee having had so much recent struggles, but also knowing that it is supposed to be in a higher place in the SEC hierarchy than Ole Miss. So we'll, I'll go just right. Uh, for Josh Heupel. All right, moving on to the uh, down the list now. So we hit number nine. Number eight, there's more ties here. There's technically a three-way tie. Uh, excuse me, a four-way tie at number eight. So we'll kind of mix up uh, where each of these coaches are from. But let's start with another SEC guy. We talked a little bit about him yesterday in the form of Jimbo Fisher, making $9.5 million a year. What was A&M's record last year? Five and seven. seven. Yeah. This is going well. uh, to be Jimbo's sixth year, by the way. Nine and a half million to – they had a 10-win season, and they had that 2020 season where they went nine and one, right? Wasn't that their record that year? No. So, yeah, they did go nine and one. They don't have the 10-win season. The, yeah. Okay. They, they do not okay. have that. I was, so, not even. When I was talking about it yesterday, I was saying, hey, what we should think of this in terms of a 10-win season. Right. It would have been for all the world if it was any other year. It's just simply they did not play enough games. But I they would have. Locking in a guy, I mean, it, A&M took a big gamble, and it looks like it's not working. And you're kind of throwing another Hail Mary this year, and if it doesn't work, I, we're, we're, on the, we're on the edge of this guy going, man, he may not make it to the end of the season. If A&M gets halfway through the year and they are 500 or worse, then Jimbo Fisher may be gone. So I'm going to say overpaid on the grounds that this dude – is in a bad spot, and so is the school he coaches for. That's too much. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Uh, Texas A&M, you're coming off a 5-7 and seven year. This is, like I said, going to be his sixth year down there. Your best year was your first year you went 9-4, and four, and then, which means you lost your bowl game, by the way, uh, or you won your bowl game. One of the two. They won. <laughs> yeah, well, they can only win or lose. Yeah. They are uh, – <laughs> Uh, they no did, ties in college football. They did football. win that bowl game. They like God intended. <laughs> nine and four, won the bowl game. And then your second best year was that 2020, nine and one. But again, that's the COVID year. Well, that's their best year. You, well, I, I'm, I'm on the year that I, dis, I discount the COVID years oh, okay. because it, it's not, you know, it, it's not a full college football well, season. Well, he's got nothing. Maybe. That was their best year by far. So, so <laughs> it, it's, it's not, not, like you said, there's nothing there. You haven't developed a quarterback. You know, that's the big thing. The big thing that you brought him in for was something that, you know, you, you said that uh, Kevin Sumlin couldn't do prior to him. You said you couldn't, they couldn't get over that hump to get to the 10, you know, the 10 wins. And he didn't develop a quarterback. You got, you had uh, Johnny Menzel in, but he was one of those guys that you didn't need to develop Johnny Menzel as a, as a talent. He was talented. He won the Heisman Trophy his freshman year. That's not a development of a quarterback. That's pure talent. And then so you brought in Jimbo Fisher, said, you got to get us past the 10 wins. Hadn't done it in six years. you got to develop us a quarterback. Best quarterback was Kellen Mond, and he's going to be what? He was they good. They with him for a while. He's going to yeah. be, what, third string somewhere in the NFL? Maybe. You didn't develop a quarterback into an NFL, uh, starting NFL quarterback. That's what you brought in Jimbo Fisher to do. Overpaid. 
Um, I'm, uh, you know, if if things don't go well this year, he's maybe out of a job. I know it's a lot of money for the buyout. The buyout, as well as that's too much. That it's yeah. so much buyout there. <laughs> it's what well, yeah. it was a hundred million dollars uh, going down by ten every year that he fulfills of his contract. Because I thought it was ten years, a hundred million. Some, sure. Something. In I there, think that yeah. I think that was what it was, and it's, he's guaranteed the whole thing. Like both both SEC programs that we have mentioned so far, Tennessee and Ole Miss, they are. Better than Texas A&M is than right now. when their now. coach found it, yeah, yeah. yeah they're be- and, and Jimbo Fisher's kept kept A and M right where they were. They right, uh, right well, where they duplicate had. five and seven, it'd be worse. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think that when he got hired, you're talking about a big figure like that. I would have understood it because you're coming from Florida State, yeah. you want a title there. You did have the weirdly bad 2017 on the way out. He was kind of disinterested at that point. They had a bad team. Every year until that, though, he had been tremendous. They had won nine games or more with uh, really, you could say, ten games or more all but one year. I mean, they had been consistently great. Uh, at A&M, look, he has been an eight- to nine-win guy with the exception of, again, last year where they went five and seven. If you wanted to even pitch me after the nine-one year, they finished number four in the country uh, after that win. So if you wanted to pitch me after that, which is when he got his contract extension or, or part of it, uh, you know, because they had the initial big deal, but I think they added some link to it after that. Then, yeah, I would have said nine point five million is fair after that moment too. It looks like it's worked, but since then the eight and four and the five and seven, there's no doubting that he is being paid too much. Uh, at this point, I mean, I know that you're paying for a name and, and and that sort of thing too, but at this point, it's it's really well too much. I mean. Uh, e- even if it uh, returns back to eight or nine wins, with the, with, with the, re- they're not handicapped by by many things there. I mean, they've they've got a ton of money that we always talk about. They've been recruiting incredibly well. It's been the development aspect that has hindered them. They have not coached well. That is what I mean. That has been the problem. They have not developed well. So uh, I think he is uh, greatly overpaid. And again, I don't think uh, I don't think we're having hot takes there. It's an important year for for Jimbo and A and M this year. And let me let me you know we we talk about that twenty. I know I I, I keep discounting the twenty twenty year for Jimbo. You you look at the schedule that they played that year. This is the teams they beat. They beat Vanderbilt seventeen to twelve. They beat Florida, who was fine, but it it, it was the next year that uh, Dan Mullen lost control of the program and it fell into yeah, oblivion. But Florida was good in twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, Mississippi State, Arkansas, South Carolina, LSU. Auburn and Tennessee. Your best team that you played was Alabama, and they put up 52 on you. You scored. You're you're a coach that prides yourself in offense. You scored 24. And so, again, overpaid. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to discredit that 2020 year, but 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 I mean, you don't. The point is, you don't need to. There's plenty of uh, plenty of bad things in there. I mean, still, that's still a real year for them. You you lose one game in this conference. How many teams do that? Not many. Um, not especially when you play that many conference games. But you know, they have still with even. I mean, everything else. That's the only good thing they have really to point to. And. Uh, again, the quarterback development's not been there and that sort of thing. Moving on to another coach where I know the answer to, Mel Tucker, who's also making $9.5 million a year. He is technically tied for eighth. Some bonuses can make you seventh, eighth, sixth. There's a big four-way tie here, but making $9.5 million. Brant, how much is he overpaid by? Uh, a good bit. Uh, I like Mel Tucker. I think he's a good coach, and I, I enjoy uh, his – I guess style of football. I enjoy the way he talks, but uh, 
one good season, man, and they threw the bag at him. And last year was not very good. I, I and do you now, the record? I do not know the record for either year. Same honestly. as Jimbo Fisher. All right, five and seven. Yep. Five and seven for nine and a half million dollars, man. That's less than ideal. Yeah. Um, was it about one point eight million a year? One point, or oh, excuse me, one point nine million a win? Yeah, that's uh, that's a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> it just, yeah, I, I, you know, got hyped over one really good year, and certainly that one really good year is a good thing. And you know, you want to extend a guy, you want to give him a little bit of a raise for the season that Michigan State had with Kenneth Walker. Perfectly fine. Uh, and Peyton Thorne, by the way, uh, perfectly fine. But last year was not good, and uh, you, you know it, it might have dumped a little too much into into uh, into the coach of the Spartans. Yeah, one one good year, it it doesn't equi- uh, you know equate to the uh, to the um, unless the you unless there. you win a national championship. Then, yeah, yeah. But you know you, you look at that the that one good year the eleven and two you beat Miami who was ranked at the time which was a good win you were uh, you were underdog in that game by six points you beat a Michigan team who was the top five, uh, top ten at the time uh, but the best team you played all year was, was Ohio State and you scored seven points on Ohio State yeah they scored fifty six they they That's... did not score fourteen by the way hmm. um, it it was a it was a good year Michigan State should have been you know excited about that year and they obviously were. But then you see what happened last year, and you know the the best win last year was at number fourteen Illinois, and you were uh, you know you were an underdog going into that one by sixteen points. Illinois Illinois should be favored by sixteen over anybody in the Big Ten, and so you know it's it, it's not his contract is it, they they jumped the gun a little bit. It feel it felt like unless unless. These Unless. next two years, he can turn the, the ship right back around and go 11-11, you know, 10 to 11 wins the next two years, challenge Ohio State, challenge Michigan for the conference championship. This is way, this is over, this was a, a, oh my gosh, we got success. Give him all the money. And now we're sitting yeah. here. It's, it's, I, I'll, I'll go as strong as this, I won't mince words. It's indefensible that he got, he got <laughs> nine and a half million dollars. It's, yeah. His career record, up even up until that point, he'd had a five and seven at Colorado in 2019. Then went to Michigan State. Don't blame him for that. Two and five during the COVID year 2020. Okay, that, that's still all conference games. And two and five, the Big Ten's not getting done. And then the 11 and two, which he got the extension in the middle of the year before they even played their biggest game of the year. And then that's right. So, I forgot so, about that. So at that point. Let's just stop time there. I want to tell you about last year. That was at Michigan State. That was what? Was that game nine, Brooks? Are you still looking at that? Which one? Before they got destroyed by Ohio State. Was that game their first loss of the year? Their was, first loss of the year was they were number five in the country, and it was at Penn State. Or not, no, at Penn State. At Purdue. And they oh, lost 40-29. to 29. Did he get paid before that game or for the Ohio State game? Do we recall? It, don't, it doesn't matter. Well, how many games in the season was that? That was... Uh, 11, 10, 9, 8. That, week eight, eight games the eighth season. game was the Purdue game that they lost. So they were 7-0. Okay. So he was, at that point, he was 9-5 and five at Michigan State. So let's say he got paid the week before the Purdue game. Because surely they wouldn't give him that after the Purdue game, right? He was 9-5 and five at Michigan State. The prior game was that they beat number 6 Michigan. Right. So that would be Yeah, and he got the deal. 9-5. and five. What is that? I don't know why I'm this mad about it. 
But it's like a, you had you earned each one of your victories at the school got you a million dollars. Yep. Yeah. You know, and off of five and seven, Colorado, not a known commodity. This is not like the return of Harbaugh to college football or something. Smell Tucker, who, as an interim head coach for the Jags in 2011, went two and three prior to his college football tenure of five and seven at Colorado, two and five at Michigan State, 11 and two, and then five and seven. As a college football coach, he is 23 and 21. And he's making $9.5 million. So, again, this is why. Again, I digress. This was obvious. This is an overpay. He should be somewhere in the middle right now of, uh, of, of Power 5 schools because Michigan State had a really great year and a bunch of nothing the other two years. So that puts you somewhere in the middle. We're going to take our next time out. When we come back, we're going to be back with some more coaches, some more SEC co- uh, coaches coming up, uh, including Clemson's Dabo Sweeney, who belongs to the ACC and Someone like Lincoln Riley, way out west. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call and Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Brant Daughtry with you here on this Thursday. Feels like it's certain other days to some other people. It does not feel like Thursday to literally any of us. Various days of the week. This is Brant's Friday. Absolutely. This is Brooks Tuesday. So will you be working this weekend then? Uh, no. Oh. I will not be up here this weekend. <laughs> okay, I was just checking. All right, moving on. As we continue to play a new game or new segment of the show. The business of sports is full of huge contracts. Some of them are too huge. That's too much. It's time for the guys to judge whether the contract should be raised, cut, or just right. All right. As Brant and Brooks play paper, rock, scissors to determine who goes first here. Uh, we're now on to the family portion of the show. <laughs> Brian Kelly. At LSU, nine and a half million per year, just like a couple of the other names we just talked about. What about uh, Brian Kelly? Brooks, you won. You go first. Oh, okay, I was gonna. Uh, I was didn't know if I, we were winning to see if I got to choose who went first. Because oh, I was well, you say, can you can choose to you um, can choose if you want. Nine to million for for Brian. Uh, yeah, Bri- I almost said Bryce Kelly for Brian Kelly. Uh, I think that is, you know. I, I'm, I'm tempted to say this will be the first one I think needs to go up, but I'm going to say it's just right. 
because I, you know, you, you look at what he did at uh, at Notre Dame, had them in national championship contention, had them in playoff contention, got them to a national championship game. We all know what happened in that national championship game against Alabama, uh, and then got got them to uh, a play and was in playoff contention almost every single year. There was a couple years where it was like. Ooh, what 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 are we doing? And then it, he re, he rebounded, and then this last year, his first year at L, at LSU, you're coming off a, you know a year with uh, Ed Orgeron. Uh, there you you were looking at everybody last year at SEC Media Days was looking at LSU and saying, well, they're going to need a rebuilding year. They're going to you know they're, they're they've got a lot of work. You know they're going to work with a lot, got to work through a lot. Um, and then you went down. First game of the year last year, played Florida State in, in New Orleans, lost that game by one point. We one point lost to Florida State, and you're like, all right, well, sure. And then they went through the rest of their year. Their first big test after Florida State was that Tennessee game, and Tennessee rolled in there and put up a 40 spot in LSU. I'm like, all right, this is the LSU team we thought they were going to be. Uh, and then a couple week, a few weeks later, they knocked off a top 10 Ole Miss team. And follow that up with knocking off a top 10 Alabama team before going to the SEC title game and uh, playing fine against Georgia. Georgia still put up 50 on you. You put up 30. Um, but I, th- I think that Brian Kelly right now, I'm going to say that he the, the money is just right. He is right there on the edge of I bump you know, giving more money because I want to make sure that he can continue to do this at LSU. And he seems like he, he it's going to be he could be able to, but over the next couple of years you've, you're still going to have uh, Daniels there this year as your starting quarterback. After you get past Daniels, can you continue to bring in top talent and continue to have a, a, a guys that are going to get you to that level where you can, can you can consistently beat the Alabamas of the world, the, the Georgias of the world, the, the top 10 teams. Because, we, you know, you look at a team, and, I, you know, they're not the same coach, but Jimbo Fisher, during his time at Texas A&M, does have a win over Alabama. He's got a, he's got a win over Alabama. But we're, you know, we, we're looking at it, and he's not done really much of anything else. We talked about it a little bit earlier. If, if Brian Kelly can, can, can continuously keep – LSU in SEC content in contention for SEC championships, and be really competitive and not you know grab a few from Alabama and grab a few from Georgia. I think you you're really close to uh, bumping him up. Yeah, the Brian Kelly one. I know I've gone with the figure of what have you done at your current school, but uh, for obvious reasons you got to look at it differently when you're talking about Kelly. In his time at Notre Dame, he you know we often talked about how overrated they were and how they you know they, they're you know they didn't. It, whether or not they deserved the praise that they were getting. But the fact is, they were getting that praise, and Brian Kelly made them a winner frequently, uh, made a couple of playoffs, made the national championship game like Brooks talked about. While he has not won a national title uh, as head coach, there's certainly reason to think uh, that he could. Uh, in his first year at LSU, uh, wins the SEC West, and I don't think any of us expected that. So. I'm going to agree with Brooks. I think Brian Kelly is just right, and I think that he's going to win a national championship at LSU before his tenure's over. Several of the previous LSU coaches have. Yeah. three have. Uh, You know, I think he's paid just right, too. Uh, I wouldn't go over yet just because it's one year at LSU, and they didn't win the SEC title. I know Georgia was a monster last year, but but still. See the last coach for what happens with one good year. Right. Well, you know, and I, I think that with Kelly, you know, you mentioned Jimbo, and He'll probably be trying to point to the Brian Kelly story at Notre Dame 
little bit, say, see, this we can come back from this. Kelly went four and eight, 2016. I mean, it was it was loud there. That was an that was a Tyrone Willingham season or a Charlie Weiss kind of year for Notre Dame. But then he re- responded immediately, and over the next five years, they won 54 games before he departed for for LSU. So I think, given that context, given that he was immediately able to go in and fix that was what was about to become a mess if it went on one more year with Edwards run. It wasn't again, I'm not saying it was a mess. I'm just saying that another bad year then you would have had some real stuff you would have had to start to recover from. I, I think that uh he's paid just right and uh we'll see what Jane Daniels and, and uh Kelly and company can do for an on court this year in year number two in Baton Rouge. All right, next up, one more guy that's at nine and a half million dollars. We do need to go a little bit quicker here. We've still got four or five more guys here. Ryan Day at Ohio State's technically still in this big hodgepodge tied for eighth, but we're listing him last, uh, still at $9.5 million. I know he was the coordinator on a couple of those Urban Meyer championship teams. Has he won a championship with Ohio State yet? He has not. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to go a little bit over. I think Ryan Day's a good coach. I think that Ohio State has been really good underneath him, but the fact is he has kind of fallen short in the biggest moments. He's won the Big Ten a couple of times, so I'm not going to say just like grossly overpaid like I like we are with Jimbo Fisher and um, uh, 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 Michigan Mel State. Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker, thank you. Uh, I'm not going to say he's grossly overpaid like those guys have been, but uh, I, a little bit, a little bit over for Ryan Day for me. Um, I'm going to say just right because every year he's been there, they've been in a, a either a New Year's Six or a playoff game. That he's been true. to the national title. He's won Big Ten championships. The the I would give him more if he'd won a national championship. But right now, you you have your team in national title contention. You have your team in playoff contention, New Year's Six contention every year. You're winning the Big Ten. I think you're paid just right. You want more money? Win. You do what Ohio State win does title, yeah. and win a title. Yeah. No, I think he's just right too. I mean, they're 45-6 and six at Ohio State. The worst finish for the Buckeyes is sixth under Ryan Day. So to be, be the fifth, sixth highest-paid coach in the country feels right. It's obviously a huge program that expects to win a title at some point, and until he does that, I'm not going to say that he's underpaid because I do think he needs to win a title to jump into that top three. But, I mean, he's, he's had Ohio State dead even with the Urban Meyer plan. The only difference was that Meyer did break through that one year uh, when Cardell Jones was not playing school and that they they won that title in 14. But other than that, Day has kept, unlike some other guys like in Oklahoma, uh, some (laughs) guys have kept the historical program right where it was supposed to be and Ryan Day has done that. So no dings for me, no things to exceed uh, what he's making. Feels just right to me. That's a good job of being quick, fellas. So that's Ryan Day. Now we're into the top four. Number four, Lincoln Riley, $10 million for Southern Calgon. Day and all those other guys we just named were nine and a half. Lincoln Riley at 10. Lincoln Riley's interesting because USC gave him that contract because, I mean, they had to pull him away from an already existing contract where he was, you know, on the verge of winning several titles and certainly expects to do the same thing with USC. I, I expect him to do it. I'm, I'm going to give him the Brant Daughtry seal of expected to win a national title some point soon. Uh, I, I really like uh, this guy. I, I think that, you know, anytime you start talking about should this guy be a top five, well, he's been a head coach for a while, and he hadn't won a title. He's been really, really good. He hadn't lost a whole lot of games, but he has lost in the playoff once or twice. So, it, you know, going like that way, I, I am going to say – I don't know. It's I hate to say I hate to say overpaid because this guy has been so good, but I just the ultimate goal 
as always, win a national championship. And if you haven't done that, you have fallen short of the ultimate goal. Uh, other side note for Ryan Day before I go to this. You've also, except for the last two years, uh, you have a winning record against your biggest rival. Uh, that that also adds into you're your on par and you're good with, with what you're being paid. Um, Lincoln Riley, let me read you the the last five years and you uh, their their uh, record and you tell me which one sounds different. Five and seven, eight and five, five and one, four and eight, eleven and three. There's one of those that sounds pretty different, doesn't it? And that's the year that Lincoln Riley took over USC. Yeah, it's five and year. one. They only played six games. Yeah. They, so, where Clay Helton had USC, and where USC expects to be, USC is a national power. USC is the, the power on the West Coast in college football, and they weren't that when, when, uh, when Clay Helton was there. You, uh, Lincoln Riley's got the champion, not, not, has Big 12 championships. He's gotten Oklahoma consistent, had Oklahoma consistently in playoff contention, getting them to playoffs. They just hadn't punched through to that national title game. Um, you, you know, you look at what they did last year, going from a four and eight season to an eleven and three. You got them to a New Year's Six game in your first year. I think Lincoln Riley's paid just right. You want to pay, get paid more? Again, same with Ryan Day. You want to get paid more? Win a championship. Exactly. I, it would be a fun argument. I don't. We really don't have time to make a, a detailed one between Day and Riley because both guys have have been the head of very important programs mm-hmm. in the country. Uh, really, outside of the SEC's top programs, what I mean, USC, Oklahoma, and and Ohio State represent three of the other five biggest programs. Really, I would just sprinkle in some Texas and some Notre Dame Michigan. and some Miss Michigan. So three yeah. of the top six. But I mean, th- these are the biggest of big programs, and they've all been very similar in that they have continued to win double-digit games, be nationally relevant, be in the top five, top six every year. However, not quite get that final victory that they're looking for. So I think he's paid just right. It, I will say this: I, I, if you, if in this context, I would maybe rather pay Day. If we were pinching pennies here, I yeah. might rather pay Day five hundred thousand more than Riley mm. at this point, because technically Day is below him at nine point yeah. five. This is not a tie. Day is at nine point five and Riley at ten. But that point that Brant made about having to lure him away from a different power program feels like that makes up the difference so i think he's paid right uh at, he is a perennial two loss guy he's never had a one loss season but to be fair again if you don't win a title you lose once in every season there it is but to also be fair three losses that southern cal was the most losses he's ever had and they were still a fun team they accomplished some goals there and with Caleb, trophy winner. right and with caleb williams back this year uh certainly the bar is very high again this year so i think he's paid just right uh Let's, we'll go ahead and knock through all these other three. If we don't take another break, we don't take another break. Number three, Kirby Smart. He is paid $11.25 million. I said that kind of in a quizzical way because I thought he was two. He is number three. You have the floor, Brant? Uh, I mean... So 10 to 11.25. So it's it obviously not overpaid. What the dude has done Correct. at Georgia is impressive for as much as... 
I was trying to compare him to uh, Mark Richt and, and how for the first couple of years of his tenure, he was a carbon copy of Mark Richt. What he has done in the past two years has certainly elevated him. I think he's the best coach in college football right now. And uh, by that principle, I guess I have to call him underpaid, but certainly deserves to be a part of that top three. And I, I don't think Georgia's going anywhere anytime soon. Right. Yeah, um, I, I would say, you know, just because he's won back-to-back national titles, you've been in contention for SEC. You've, been, you've played in the last, what, three or four out of the last five SEC championship games you've, you've been a part of. Um, it's it, it's a, a big deal. I, I think I, this is the first one I'm going to say slightly underpaid. I think that Kirby Smart could deserve a little bit more money. I think he he could be really be a coach that if there wasn't a uh, another a coach across the state from from here, I think you could make an argument he should be the number one paid coach in the country. Look, no matter where you stand on Saban versus Smart today, whether you want to go more with the longevity of Saban for a longer period of time, or if you want to go with the recent recent success of, of Smart. Uh, Smart should still be above Dabo. Now, that's not a discredit Dabo. Dabo. I'm going to give him his flowers in a second. But um, Smart winning back-to-back titles and even the thought of having someone in the same sentence of Saban kind of shows you where he's at in the sport right now. So I do think he's a little underpaid. There's some that will say all these guys are underpaid with the value they bring into the program, and we get into the financials, and so I do want to mention that bit of it. But we're still going to keep some sort of a cap that's not just going to be like $30 million, right. you know, when it's been 9, 10, 11 all these years. Uh, but I do think he's underpaid. And obviously, if Georgia ends up continuing to do this, then he'll keep getting more. I think his current contract runs through 2031. So, yeah, a little underpaid for Smart. Number two is Dabo Sweeney. He is at $11.5 million. I'm going to call him pretty much where he should be. Clemson was kind of an afterthought for, for most of its existence yeah. until he got there. And he turned them into a national power. I know they're a little bit down right now. They had some poor, poor quarterback play and maybe not recruiting as well. And, and Dabo's kind of said some things that make people go, huh, what in the world does he mean by that? But I, I still think that, you know, it, winning multiple national championships at a program that the expectations are not super high. I think Dabo Sweeney is a really good coach, even if the, his best years may be done. Uh, I, I'd, per, I'd be perfectly willing for what Dabo has done for that program. 11 and a half sounds right. Uh, looking at it, looking at this, the last five years, uh, Dabo Sweeney has had Clemson in the ACC title game for the last five, and every time they've won it, they've they've won the ACC all the last four times they've been in the, been in the title game. You've played in two national championships in the last few years. You've you've been in New Year's Six games. The only thing that Kirby Smart right now I, I think deserves more a little bit more money than Dabo Sweeney is Dabo's 2021 didn't have them uh, going to they, – they were still a 10-win team. We said that was a down year for Clemson. They still won 10 games. Um, but they, he did not have them in a New Year's Six game. They were in the Cheez-It Bowl down in, like in Orlando. They, they was a great bowl game. Uh, there was the Iowa State game. They played 20-13. to 13. But Kirby Smart, I, I think, deserves a little bit more money. I think, I think sure. Dabo – is paid right where he needs to be. Yeah. He, it, there's no, no no need to take away any money from him. He's on the same level, but uh, I think that he, he doesn't deserve any more than he's getting. Sure. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. it. Smart should be above Sweeney, but not because Sweeney should make less, but yeah. because Smart should make more. Right. So I think Sweeney is correctly paid. Uh, there is wonder if the best days are behind him. But again, as Brant alluded to, 
the context of this program pre-Sweeney, I mean, just not a lot of success there. This this truly is um, building something and, and and throwing all the history out the door and making something brand new that is that can be a, a giant of the sport. He has not had a season since 2011 where the Clemson did not win 10 games. And if you had told anybody that, that they were going to go on a double-digit year streak of winning 10-plus games, it would have sounded absurd. And then to put two titles in there, one other title game appearance, uh, again, the credentials are there. So even though the last two or three years have not yielded a title or yielded a national championship game, um, when your worst year, again, is still – uh, a 10 and four year back in 2011. That's the lowest ranking Clemson's had in the last 12 years. Was 22nd in 2011. Every other year has been top 15 in the country, and with plenty of top fives because of the titles. So, I think Sweeney is paid just right, uh, and again should be third in the country behind Smart and Saban. But uh, again, the money he makes is fair there at that 11 and a half figure. And number one, no surprise, and I not a lot to say about uh, Saban here, but 11.7 for Nick Saban, highest paid in the country. Yeah, um, absolutely right. Uh, might be a little bit underpaid. He's the greatest college football coach of all time, and I don't think there's much disputing that at this point. Um, another guy whose best days may be behind him, but Alabama's going to be a perennial championship contender as long as he is the head coach. Uh, it was, Alabama's a very proud program. Uh it was down for a little while, and then he brought it back and made it the best program in college football again. So Smart may overtake him if he continues at the pace he's going, and Kirby's got a long time to do it. But, uh, yeah, Nick Saban, best coach of all, fo- best, fo- best college football coach ever uh, and done most of it at Alabama. I'm saying he's just right. Yeah, same. Three national title appearances in the last five years. Other, you know, the, you, only one of those years in the last five years you've not been in a, in a um, – uh, New Year's Six game, and that was that Citrus Bowl against Michigan. You blew them out. You're uh, perennially rolling in top five classes in, in the high school rankings. Uh, and you know, and I know you know Auburn fans don't want to don't want to hear it, but they he's he like I said with Ryan Day, he's owned the rivalries. Uh, in, in the LSU rivalries, he's owned them. LSU's gotten a few out of him. Um, the that the Tennessee game, he's only lost to Tennessee once yeah. in his whole career at Alabama. Only lost to them once. Auburn's been the most perennially uh, able to beat him, and it's still it's there's still a margin there that Alabama beats uh, Alabama beats Auburn quite regularly. Uh, four and one in the last five years is Alabama against Auburn. So I think he de- he deserves to be paid what he is, um, and, I, and I think he deserves to be sitting on top of the college football pay, pay sheet for a reason. Yeah, again, I knew there wouldn't be a line of discrepancy there at the top, but I wanted to I guess save that for last just because I knew we might be running out of time because we take our time with, with these sort of things. <laughs> Uh, so that yeah, not a lot more analysis there. Uh, don't really have to. I don't need to bicker about if Smart should make you know one hundred thousand more than Saban at this point. I think Saban gets the legacy bonus, so that's how I would say it. And I think Saban's fine to be the number one paid coach in the country. Again, could he make more than eleven point seven? Of course, we know the business of, of college football has continued to boom. Look at these NIL contracts that kids are getting. So yes, common sense says he could make far more than 11.7, but uh, certainly deserves to be highest-paid coach in the country. So that is our ranking, or that's not our ranking. That is the ranking of the top 10 uh, highest-paid college football coaches in the country, how we feel if they should be raised, uh, lowered, or if they are just right. And, again, uh, fun to do that. And we'll have that. I'm already going to think that our next time we're going to do that, coming up in a month or so maybe, 
We'll get some NFL quarterbacks because, man, there's some fun stuff with guys getting gobs of money to play noon on Sundays, Kirk Cousins. Anyway, uh, so a uh, fun segment there. Enjoyed that. Down to a minute or two left in the show. Time for a nightly TV guide to close things out. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw. Hart Seltzer Brooks, what we got? Well, I, I'm going to do something a little different tonight. Usually I start with the movies and go to the sports, but we are light tonight on the sports, uh, folks. <laughs> so the only primetime national TV sporting event tonight, 6 o'clock ESPN. It is some NBA Summer League action between the OKC Thunder and the Philadelphia 76ers. So and, it's early, and you get done early with the sports tonight. And you know he doesn't want to have to put that on there because he didn't know. even put finals games on there. So That's you right. know it's light. And so your movie picks for the evening, we'll go right into them now. Uh, your family movie pick for the evening, you want to get the fam, sit around on the couch, watch a movie, 6 o'clock on Nickelodeon. It's B-Movie starring Jerry Seinfeld. I thought it started B. It does start a B. It thing. starts a B, Alex, voiced yeah. by Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. And also um, Patrick Warburton. He is. He's, he's in there. <laughs> movie. And I love Patrick he Warburton. Always he's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite uh, movies tonight, 7 o'clock on Paramount, Forrest Gump. Today is actually the anniversary of Forrest Gump debuting, too, ah. or, or premiering in theaters. Wow. All-time great film. One of the and all-time after that, greats. it just kept running and running. <laughs> I was running. <laughs> At 7.15 tonight on TNT, your Marvel fix for the evening. It's Black Panther. Great movie. Great if you're uh, if you're a Marvel fix for the evening, and then eleven o'clock tonight you're le- wanting to stay up late on FX. Your sports movie pick for the evening, Adam Sandler's The Water Boy is on tonight. Oh, another one of the all-time greats. Again, just hoping we get a story like that in the Thunder Chickens this year. Mama said, "Gators is angry because they got all them teeth and no toothbrush." <laughs> and that's look at your nightly TV guide. God, I love I love Water Boy so much. Brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks. And, Brant, that's going to be how the uh, show ends for you for the week. So I appreciate can't, you being here. And can't imagine a better ending. Absolutely. Have a great weekend, sir. We'll see you again next week. Thank you for having me. And then Brooks Childress on the show today as well. Brooks, thank you for being on the show yesterday today. And uh, we'll see you again tomorrow. That's right. Sprint to the finish. <laughs> Absolutely. That will do it for the show today. Again, appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Brant Dontry and Brooks Childress, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Thursday night, and we'll talk again tomorrow.